0: Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time.
1: I'm Kevin Keene. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, released by Walt Disney Pictures on May 5th, 2017, starring Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Michael Rooker, and Karen Gillan, featuring Vin Diesel as Baby Groot and Bradley Cooper as Rocket, with Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell, written and directed by James Gunn. The first Walt Disney movie we've done, I think, since we started this podcast. I don't I, think Arnold ever worked with Walt Disney. No, I think this is a first Walt Disney picture. Yeah, I'm not sure how many there will be either in the uh, <laughs> St- and I, it it's a very very loose calling this a Sylvester Stallone movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those where it's debatable whether or not we should have even done it, but you know, I, I like this movie. I I wanted to do it. You know, I picked it obviously, and uh, I I will say I think stallone as small part of it as it is it's a really important part without his character this movie does not work for me really and it's you he i, seems I so peripheral but i you know i mean we'll talk about it but it, i, I mean, really, really think does, he needs to be there
1: his interaction and his involvement does drive a big part of the story and plot but i i don't know it seems like you could you could probably get there i don't know about without him do you not want that character or do you not want stallone do you think stallone's oh, not nah, stallone's fine i mean I, I don't think
0: it matters either way I, I love the fact that he's in this movie i love really? they cast him yeah oh, wow. i don't know there's just something about that casting that just works perfectly for me you know and i think it, it, we're doing a, a podcast where we're watching every stallone movie so it's like i mean we've we've seen the best and the worst already i think and we'll, we'll continue to see the best and the worst of stallone I think this is good Stallone. I think this is... I think he cares way more than he has any right to care. I think he's really acting. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, you know, I mean, he only for has like part is, six yeah. or seven lines, yeah. but I think if he had phoned this movie in more, I don't think the, the ending in particular would have worked for me. I'm anxious to talk about the ending, so I'll, I'll hold off. But right. it's like... I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, in some ways, it's not as good as the first one, but... I think that ending just puts it over the top for me. Like, I, I just think, you know, it has some aspects of it that I don't think really work, but just in
1: terms of the overall story, it works for me like slightly better than the first one. I, I like both movies. Yeah. That's I interesting. I, so this was the either second or third time through for me. I think we saw this in theaters together did we? I don't if, remember if memory serves. We saw one of them. Might have been the first one. Might have been the first. Maybe you're right. You're the first one. I think you went to see Volume Two on your own, and that sounds right. Yeah, and, and I think you were really, you were pretty jazzed about it. I'll admit, I was a little disappointed, and that continued to hold up on this viewing as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that it's a. I by no means do I think it's a bad movie, but for me, it didn't have the same magic as the first one. And we're we're going to cover some of the other Marvel. MCU movies in this yeah and, and later it, in the episode yeah and so for me it's it's similar to Ant-Man Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't have and, and maybe it's just I like the origin stories I don't know but it just didn't have the the same magic in either of the two we'll call it uh more comedic franchises within the Marvel Marvel universe
0: well nowadays every franchise well, is a comedic franchise but we'll get sherry. there we'll talk about that later yeah I agree with you when they come when it comes to the Wasp And, you know, these are all pretty new movies, so it's worth saying, spoiler warning, you know, this is almost two years old, this movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp is
1: less than a year old. Not giving away any plot points, I just don't think that, for me, neither one of them.
0: Yeah, when when we get to the Marvel MCU section of this episode, we'll try to keep spoilers to a minimum, but I mean, I agree with you when it comes to the Wasp, I didn't like Ant-Man and the Wasp as much as Ant-Man, but... I like this movie better than the first Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah, then obviously that holds up. I remember you saying that at the time it came out, and obviously it it still holds up for you. It has flaws. I mean, there are certain things about this movie that I
0: don't like, but, uh, you know, we'll get into that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is credited as a James Gunn film, which I think is the first time any director has ever gotten that credit in a Marvel movie. I don't know how much you want to talk about all that stuff. Uh, I mean, this is the time to do it right up front if we're going to talk about it. I was thinking about it. Really, it's only a
1: if you want to. I mean,
0: okay. I mean, I don't have much no. to say about other than well, let me just start by saying this. James Gunn's non-Marvel movies are, I find very off-putting. I saw Slither, I did not like it at all. Everything I saw about Super seemed super off-putting to me, no pun intended. It was super off-putting. So yeah, I mean, the the James Gunn that predates the first Guardians of the Galaxy just seems like a, a, some a director I don't want to see his films at all. Hmm. And it seems like the first Guardians of the Galaxy was a turning point for him. Where And I think when he got fired, just to give context, I don't know. I mean, people probably know what we're talking about. But yeah, just in case so. people listen to this five years from now, like we're, we're recording this, I don't know, three months after he was fired. He was going to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And uh, he was fired because some tweets that he tweeted right. like nine years ago surfaced. But that's kind of what I'm getting at is it seems like the Guardians of the Galaxy films are so much more optimistic than his old movies, which are super, like... Uh, um, I did it again. They're super... This is just... I'm now I'm <laughs> self-conscious about saying the word super. But, um, yeah, they're just really uh, kind of nihilistic. And just, I
1: haven't seen any of them, so...
0: I mean, Slither is... I, I, the little bit that I know about super, it sounds very, very nihilistic and dark and, like, just pessimistic. And it seems like, from what I understand about James Gunn, making these movies kind of changed him in a way or he became more optimistic because it's like, Oh, I'm making this movie about heroes and essentially about people who are selfish and egotistical and nihilistic changing and becoming heroes yeah. to a certain degree they're forced to, but it's also kind of these characters embracing that and to judge him based on something that he said nine years ago seems preposterous to me, especially when it seems like it was kind of a concerted effort by certain people to get him fired. It was a kind of a campaign. And it didn't seem particularly disingenuous. I mean, it seemed disingenuous, the whole, like, motivation behind it. So it's tough because, you know, other people have been fired for doing similar things. Yeah. You know, like the Roseanne thing. It's like, but that's something she's tweeted, like, a day before she was fired. Not nine years. So, I mean, that's kind of my take on its It doesn't seem like it's the same thing. Someone digging through someone's tweets to find the most offensive thing and then trying to get someone fired. It seems it's disappointing because I was really looking forward to
1: Volume Three. Yeah, and whether or not it even gets made, since some of the you know some of the stars don't seem to be interested in making it unless he's involved. No, so. Dave
0: Bautista seems really pissed.
1: <laughs> he is not making any secret about his opinion about that. I mean, well, I good for him. I mean, it's, it's and I haven't seen that. I will just say this right now at the start. We'll get into it without Drax. I'm not sure how much I like a oh. Volume Two. He's so. he's a big part of why I like this movie better yes. than the first
0: one. I don't remember
1: being, him being as funny in the first one. He, he was. I liked the character, but no, he he drags takes it up. Where I think, unfortunately for me, we're getting into it a little bit here. For me, I think some of the other characters actually do take a step back, and I'm not as interested in them, and they seem different in the way that I don't like. Drax? No. He has turned it up to 11. Well, he and, seems different, but in a better way. Yes. He's, he's become the comic relief in a way that <laughs> every is. single scene is His laugh tracks, just makes me laugh. I'm just gonna say yeah. it. His laugh just makes me laugh.
0: Who would have guessed that Dave Bautista would become this uh, incredible me. comedic actor? <laughs>
1: and and i don't know i haven't seen you know really any other dave batista's other stuff so maybe it's just limited to this character i don't know but he knocks it out of the park
0: i've seen him do good dramatic performances too he's great in blade runner 2049 i forgot he's in that i've seen that i forgot that he's great he's kind of like the stallone in that movie where he's not in it much but his character is super important yeah um and what else oh i liked him inspector even though that movie's not very good i thought he was a very good henchman
1: you're right. Man, I forgot about it. I think it's because I went in with such high expectations for Spectre. I've kind of forgotten about that movie.
0: Yeah, that movie is disappointing and forgettable. Like, yeah. yeah, I've seen it two or three times, and I couldn't tell you what happens in that movie, but I, I like him in it. Yeah, Dave Petitz is good. I yeah. mean, he's genuinely a good actor
1: and hilarious in this movie. <laughs> yes. He's what I come for in volume two, for sure. All right, well, I, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty good intro. Are we ready to get uh, into the recent history. Yeah, let's talk about uh, what happened on this date. Yeah, <laughs> it's only a year and a half ago. <laughs> what day is it? What year? Uh it is May fifth, twenty seventeen. Uh, so first, to cover of the box office, had a reported two hundred million dollar budget, which seemed kind of light to me. I I was surprised. It seems like that, that seems light for a sequel to a MCU picture, but that, <laughs> that's what I could find. That's probably about typical. I wonder how much like
0: Thor Ragnarok cost or Spider-Man Homecoming. Like Those, those are contemporaries of this yes. movie.
1: So I don't know. And so with that budget, it had a total uh, gross of $863,756,051. That's very specific. Uh, it is. Of that, uh, just under $390 million was domestic, so about 45%, and uh, just under $474 million, or 55%, was international. Okay. Uh, so the week that it came out, uh, one of your favorites was number two, and so it, of course, was number one. I mean, it's, you know, it's not even a question with something like this. Sure. But it had knocked out the previous number one, The Fate of the Furious. Oh. I was thinking Mad Max.
0: I guess that's maybe the previous year. Yeah. Fate of the Furious is not my favorite. I don't. I, it's not. i just the franchise. You're a big fan yeah. I like. I mean, Vin Diesel's in this movie, and I was I was making uh, notes about Fast and Furious when they're talking about family. We're not friends. We're family. It's like Vin Diesel's right there. He's this little tree. He's in every every movie series. It's about like a makeshift family. He's got to be in it.
1: Anyway, sorry. even if you can barely tell it's his voice, right? No, oh, that's true. But yeah, I, I don't. Fate of the Furious is not a good one. It's fine. I haven't seen all of them like you have. I would probably give that same assessment. I think. Six was the favorite of all of the ones that I've seen. Oh, see, five is my favorite,
0: but yeah, that's that's where it starts to hit its peak, and then the the slide begins. Yeah, it's it's been a gradual slide.
1: They're still pretty good. You know, most of the rest of the top ten is not uh, not very notable. Boss Baby is a movie that I've seen uh, with my son, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good kids' movie. I actually didn't really okay. like it at all. Is Alec Baldwin in that? Am I thinking uh, of that? he is Alec Baldwin? Is the voice of the he boss is baby. the Boss Baby? The, yes, the uh, titular Boss Baby. He. Uh, there is a Glengarry Glen Ross reference in there, too, as I remember. So, there, yeah, there isn't much, but you know what? I, I've kind of said this in the 2000s as time has gone by. I've become less and less interested in a lot of the movies. And in particular, when you've got this, though, in like the, the almost the height of the summer, it's a little bit of the front end. You have like two or three tent poles and almost nothing else gets released.
0: So you're not even going to read them? I can. Okay, fine. I'm curious. I mean, I, right. I I, fine, I have not. such a bad memory. I fair, don't remember what happened enough, in a year and a half ago. Uh,
1: I didn't think you'd be interested. <laughs> Maybe the listeners are. I mean, apparently you are. Uh, number four, how to be a Latin lover. Okay. Yeah, this is the stuff I want to hear. I want
0: to hear what, what are the dregs. What's coming out counter-programming okay. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Uh,
1: number five is Beauty and the Beast, the live-action version. Okay. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Number six, I have seen, and it is terrible, The Circle. Uh, Oh, I thought about renting that once, and I kind of went like, hmm, everyone says it's bad. I didn't rent it. It was on Amazon Prime. It wasn't as bad as the reviews, but it was not good either. And actually, uh, Karen Gillan is in that. Important part. she's not in it a ton. But she isn't it. I don't know if I know what she looks like without all the blue robot makeup on. Uh, I've probably seen her and stuff. So the, the only so have you seen uh, Jumanji the the new one with the No right? okay, I that, can picture. I remember that, her from the that's her the, from the trailers. You know, and actually, first thing I saw her in, in was um, the Big Short. She has a very small part in the Big Short. Okay, I don't remember, but uh, take your word for it. All right, number seven. Oh man, this is a movie from India that I think might be one of the all-time worldwide box office. Um, Oh, okay. Ba- <laughs> Bahu. Now I'm glad I made you read these. <laughs> Bahu Bali 2, The Conclusion. And I think I just, I read somewhere, like when I was looking up stuff, that that's one of the highest worldwide grossing movies of all time. That was seventh in the U.S.
0: that weekend? Yes, that weekend. That's impressive. Uh, I like how 2 is the conclusion.
1: Think we're stopping here. <laughs> Number eight, gifted. Don't know anything about it. Don't it looks like it's a Fox searchlight, so it must be, you know, an Our House movie. Don't know anything about it. So number nine, uh, Going in Style. Warner Brothers, don't know anything about it. I don't know what that is. Either. Number 10, Smurfs, The Lost Village. have no idea. That's probably the third one for all I know. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't even know there were sequels to the Smurfs movies, let alone that they came out in theaters. Theaters, yeah. I would have guessed they were direct-to-video. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you read that,
0: that list because uh, that's a lot of movies that I'd never heard of, and they're, it's a year and a half ago.
1: All right. And so I took it upon myself, since this is probably, as you noted, the only Disney movie, the only one that we've covered, and probably the only one we will cover, before we had a discussion offline about uh, the Silk Cozart corner, I had put together the inflation-adjusted—actually, I didn't put it together. I got it from Box Office Mojo. The inflation-adjusted Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe box office receipts. Yeah, because we're going to cover our opinions
0: about these in the Silk Cozart segment. That's yes. why you brought it up um which is people who I, I always think about like people who are listening to if this is their first time they're listening like silk cozart corner what are they talking about <laughs> that's the reason why we have to explain each segment right yeah but you're just referencing it an hour all before right. we're gonna do it <laughs> people <Touché>. say
1: <laughs> leave me alone it's i mean we're just building up all our jargon so inflation adjusted guardians of the galaxy is the number eighth. number eight of the 20 MCU pictures. Okay. Wait, uh, the, the first Guardians of the Galaxy? No, they're, they're actually back-to-back. So the first Guardians of the Galaxy is, comes in at number nine. And this is domestic, by the way. This is only domestic. This is not uh, international. Yeah,
0: I'm sure international adjusting
1: for inflation gets way more difficult because you're dealing with, like, exchange rates and whatever. And yeah, Box Office Mojo is not going to do that. Sure. Uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy is just under $400 million in domestic gross. Inflation adjusted. Yeah. And the first Guardians of the Galaxy is about 376 million, and that's good for number eight and for number nine. Oh, so this one's mathematically better. Uh, yes. So <laughs> let me ask you, what do you think inflation adjusted, domestic gross, is the number one MCU? Hmm. I mean, it might be Infinity War. No? You're, you're, oh. on, you're on the, you're on the oh, right the part. the first Avengers. Yeah, the yeah, first okay. Avengers.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I feel like Infinity War did really well. That's got to be like two
1: or three, right? Uh, Infinity War. So the Avengers are basically the top four other than Black Panther. Okay. And it is Black Panther, Infinity War, Age of Ultron. If you want, I'll just go down the west. Uh, number five is Iron Man 3. Number six, Captain America, Civil War. Number seven, the original Iron Man. That's actually why I wanted to do it, is to see where Iron Man fell. Yeah, I, I would have figured it was going to be pretty high. Yeah. So that was seven. Uh, the two Guardians coming in at eight and nine. Iron Man 2 is number 10. Uh, number 11, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, I thought that did better. I mean, I guess
0: inflation adjusted, it's, it's getting screwed by, by that. Well,
1: <laughs> not, not exactly, but... Well, yeah,
0: I know it's, it's evening it out, yeah. technically,
1: but uh, you n- know what I mean. Number 12, Thor Ragnarok. 13, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, It's kind of a bummer for me that it was... Yeah, that didn't do as well as ever, I would have thought. Uh, same here. Number 14, Doctor Strange. I, I'm not sure how... I guess because it's just a sequel. Thor The Dark World is 15. That movie is terrible. I don't know if you've seen it. It is terrible. We'll talk about it later when all we're right. ranking all of our MCU movies. Number 16, Ant-Man and the Wasp. 17, the original Thor. 18, the original... Or whatever. The first Captain America. The first Avenger. Uh, 19, Ant-Man and 20, The, the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. The <laughs> in the rear. <laughs> the movie that Marvel forgot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Touche. All that's, right. That's, that was pretty predictable. I actually would have thought the Dark World did worse than
1: that, but yeah. It's because it was coming off of a very successful Thor yeah. that people didn't know that it was bad and went out and saw it without knowing that well, it was bad. Well, I think more so it was coming off of Avengers, right? Uh, that's probably. That too, yeah. That so you it. got both those kind of pulling it. Yeah. Uh, on TV, as you can guess, you know, today it's it's basically football or CBS, NCIS, and all that. Yeah, yeah. the Big Bang Theory, NCIS, some football, a TV show called Bull. I have no idea what it Bull? is. Bull is it like Bull from Night Court? <laughs> I <don't laughs> would the nostalgia trips that we're getting. <laughs> They're bringing back Murphy Brown. Bring back Bull from Night Court. Bull gets his own spinoff. <laughs> He's like a private eye. If anyone from that show should get a spinoff. <laughs> actually,
0: can I tell you why I want... Is that, is that a pretty good Night Court or that what? That was very good, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly I recognize it. <laughs> Here's why I, I actually want a spinoff of Bringing Back Bull 30 Years Later or whatever. <laughs> is that uh, guy still alive? I, I, I have no Harry idea. Harry Anderson's dead, so... Yeah, that's true. No, but I'm embarrassed that I remember this, but the final episode of Night Court ended with Bull being beamed up by aliens... <laughs> Are you serious? (laughs) He was like... I don't know. They, they like they took him to live on their planet or something. So imagine so he Bull, went with Poochie to his own planet, <laughs> I guess. But imagine him coming back to Earth to Earth after thirty years of living with the aliens, or maybe <laughs> the, the series is Bull as a fish out of water on the alien planet. Just because I remember that that's how Night Court ended. Was that like a crossover episode with Alf or something? I mean, what is going on? No, that show got weird. It wow. started off as a like yeah. a comedy about court, <laughs> and yeah. then it ended with Bull being beamed up by aliens, literally beamed up like, like Star Trek, I remember a light, and then it was like, and then disappeared. And that was how Bull left the show.
1: You made <laughs> my night,
0: thank you. I don't know why I remember that. Uh, it made an impression on me, I think, is just all it was.
1: I can't even get through, whatever, the rest, it, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> Bring <laughs> back Bull from Night Court. Bring back Bull. All right. So in the world of recent history, the S&P 500 is just under 2,400. In world news, uh, Emmanuel Ma- Macron... Defeats Marine Le Pen in the French presidential election on May 7th. I highlight that because it's uh, a, a post-Trump election, and Le Pen is was very much kind of a, the nationalist yeah. Um, oh, I remember. candidate. Yeah, so I always thought it was Macron. Is it Marcon? No, it's Macron. Macron. I, just, I was oh. butchering it. And I also want to highlight, since you know half of my family lives over in France, I'm, I'm giving them, in case they still listen to episodes, I want to make sure I got some French history on there for them. <laughs> Should be a French history segment every. Episode. What was happening in France when this movie came out? <laughs> Maybe I'll add that for the next <laughs> season. Uh, also on May seventh, MTV adopts the first general neutral award categories for the MTV Movie Awards.
0: Oh, I didn't know that happened. Uh, I didn't either. I can't believe that even still
1: exists. Uh, what the MTV Movie Awards? <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. Speaking of President Trump, uh, on May 9th, he decided the FBI director James Comey should no longer be employed. Okay. On May 10th, Apple became the first company to be worth more than $800 billion, which it has now surpassed $1 trillion, although I know it's given a lot back the last few weeks, so it's probably worth less than a trillion today. But uh, $800 billion to a trillion in about a year. Good for them, I guess. Uh, yes. I don't think I own a single Apple product. Uh, I don't either. I do wish I had bought shares many, many years ago. On May 25th, Wonder Woman premieres, and since we are in the superhero genre, I thought it was appropriate. It is also the first superhero film uh, directed by a woman. There you go. Uh, Unfortunately, on the somber side, on May 22nd, uh, you may remember that was the terrorist attack in Manchester, England, at the Ariana Grande concert. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And then kind of finishing out, the New York Times bestseller, a James Patterson book, The Black Book. Uh, also written by David Ellis. Don't know anything about it. Is that like Spinal Tap Black Album? Is there even like a title on the
0: cover? I hope it just, it's just a it's black just, book. It, it's just clean. Right. It's very clean. None more black.
1: Yes. How, how much How much more black can this book cover be? And the answer is none. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the Billboard 100 <clears throat> uh, single Humble by Kendrick Lamar. And the one thing, uh, this is more for you and somebody who I think still listens. Two Notable Deaths. One for you, Roger Moore passed away in May 2017. Yes, that is sad. Uh, and Chris Cornell passed away in May 2017. I like Chris Cornell. Those are both for me. Okay, they're I, both I'm for I'm sad about both of those. And for me to uh, another notable death, but referencing my last history segment for the Tango and Cash episode... Manuel Noriega also passed away in May of 2017. Wow. I think he got overshadowed by Chris <laughs> Cornell and Roger Moore. I,
0: I don't so. remember. I didn't know that he was dead. <laughs> there you go. Chris yeah. Cornell also did a Bond song, so they're both Bond-related. Very, very much related. One of the better Bond songs, even though I think P- Bond fans don't like it. Uh, I one? like it a lot. Which one?
1: Casino Royale, You Know My Name. I. You know what? I didn't realize the Chris—I mean, it's one of my— if not my favorite among my favorite Bond movies top 2 or 3 yeah, and it's my favorite I forgot that he did that he did the song yeah yeah so there you go all right let's move on
0: to uh, talking about the movie the big picture
1: you want to talk we'll talk i'm a sucker for good conversation so yes this is the segment where we get into the plot of the movie yep so let's talk about the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2
0: uh, this is what two or three years after the original. This
1: is uh, 2014 should, was the original, I think. I should be able to tell you. Hold on here. I have it on my list. Yes, uh, August of 2014 to May of 2017. Okay, but I guess it, apparently it's set a couple
0: months later. Marvel just released a big timeline, which I glanced at. Really, I don't care enough. I think if people were complaining because like Spider-Man says that Avengers happened eight years earlier, but that there wasn't enough time. Like people were just like nitpicking. You know, I mean, whatever. I <laughs> I don't want to start off this conversation about a good movie, or I think it's a good movie, by talking about people nitpicking Marvel and, you know, people are way into these movies. Um, but anyway, apparently, I learned this recently, this movie is set only a couple of months after the first Guardians of the Galaxy, so it's set in 2014. I don't know if it matters or any, if anyone cares, but it's just a weird thing that I learned recently. I was like, oh, we're doing the podcast, and now this is a useless piece of information that's in my brain, so I have to get it out. <laughs>
1: Uh, that, it is set in 2014, but it is key to know that Zoons are still very relevant in 2014. <laughs> I
0: mean, I don't know if that's true. You know. They were more relevant. I guess it's one of those jokes that uh, yeah. it, it only gets funnier the, the longer exactly. know, time moves on.
1: It, it, and it wasn't relevant in 2014. That was, that yeah, was, that the, was joke. the joke. Yeah. That's the joke. We, <laughs> we, we haven't made that reference in
0: a while. No, we have not. So we
1: moved on to Salon. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, I mean, the movie starts out in
1: 1980 where Kurt Russell... A young CGI Kurt Russell <laughs> is is going to the Dairy Queen. I'm kind of. I, I've got to admit, I'm kind of getting over the CGI young versions of some of these actors. But it's old hat at this point. Like Marvel's going to that well too often.
0: Yes. How many times have they done done this now? They did it in Ant Man. Ant Man yet yeah, told both Ant Man's
1: right. Don't, don't both of them have a young Michael Douglas? I think so. Yes. And, and uh, Sharon Stone, right? Or uh, no, Michelle Pfeiffer. Excuse me. Yes, and and Michelle Pfeiffer in Ant Man and the Wasp. You have got Tony Stark in. Uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, right? Yes, I think it's Civil War. And then this,
0: and then there's at least one more. They've just done, they've done it a lot to the point where it's getting to the point where it's like, oh, that's really impressive. But it's also like, okay, enough it's of just,
1: this. It's kind of distracting, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think the, ideally it'll get to a point where it's just like a thing that happens in movies and you don't even think about it anymore. But I agree. Amy. At the moment, it's I think the least distracting one was the Robert Downey Jr. one. Yes, It wasn't so much distracting. It was just like, wow, that looks like Robert Downey Jr. of the <laughs> 1980s. You know, It was more impressive than distracting, but yeah, each time they do, they go back
1: to it. It's yeah. just like, all right. Anyway, sorry, sorry for that diversion. But yeah, so we get established Kurt Russell. You don't get his name, I don't think, yet. No, he's
0: just a cool guy in like a <laughs> Trans Am or something. <laughs> yes, it is a Trans Am. Feathered hair. He uh, is not. It's not Kit, however. It does have the... like. Is it, maybe it's a Firebird. I think it it's a Firebird. a Firebird. Whatever. Yeah. I, don't,
1: I don't know 80s cars. I, I think it's a Firebird. Whatever. But they're going to the Dairy Queen. Do you think
0: that's product placement? Do you
1: think that's oh, a deliberate absolutely. thing? absolutely. Because the shot in particular, I have a note about it that it annoys me, that it's like 30 years later, and that Dairy Queen... Looks exactly the same. I'm going to tell you right now, it has to be one of the most successful Dairy Queens ever. No, it looked different. It looked it had a new logo and stuff. I definitely noted that it looked different. It didn't. It, originally it has like the 80s look, and then
0: it has an updated
1: look. Think about how many restaurant pads turn over in every town that you've probably ever lived in. You think 30 years later, that Dairy Queen near where we grew up on on Roberts Road, if you remember, that one was there for a while. I don't think. It, no, it, was it, it was a tasty, tasty freeze, freeze, wasn't it? Yes. Oh,
0: I'm embarrassed. <laughs> My, we didn't have a Dairy Queen. We my, had a tasty freeze. You're right. Freeze, my my friend. Friend. You're right. You're right. It was a tasty freeze. <laughs> that was there for a while. It only and went it, out of business like five years ago. Yes, but whatever. You, you get. You get my. Point. I'm embarrassed. All of all of our friends. I'm going to be shamed. <laughs> there's a collective sigh when they hear that. Yeah. I, I, as I was saying it, I went, "Oh no, that's a tasty freeze." Isn't <laughs> I, it? Need to t- I need to edit this out. Yeah. Which one had the Oreo? I guess they both have like Oreo stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, but the Blizzard Oreo is Dairy Queen. That, that's, that's Dairy Queen? Yeah, okay. that's what you're thinking of. Okay. Anyway.
0: Regardless, I mean, I wasn't sure if it was there to be like, because I think a lot of this movie and a lot of the first one also is like James Gunn nostalgia for his childhood. So I wasn't sure if that was what this was or just like, I don't know,
1: James Gunn liked Dairy Queen and he wanted to put Dairy Queen in because... It could be, but it reminded me of... Is it Man of Steel that they just go over the top of destroying Sears? I don't think it's that bad. It's not, but it reminded me of that because, I mean, it's it's up there for a while. It feels like product placement. Is the Man of Steel fight where they're they're fighting in front of a Lowe's
0: and then Superman punches the villain a block away and then there's another Lowe's? (laughs) We're still in front of the Lowe's somehow, even though I punched you like a mile. There are two Lows in the Smallville, apparently.
1: That's it's called Smallville in every, every small, town. Smallville, the whole concept of Smallville, Kansas, we've talked about this. There's no way that a a single Lowe's would be built in a town like that. Yeah. There, there certainly wouldn't be
0: multiple. I, I mean, I'm being facetious. It's just like they're fighting, and then they clearly move a ways, but they're still in front of the Lowe's because they had to get one more like product placement shot. Then half that fight's inside the IHOP. That's the worst part of it. <laughs> We're just like, eat pancakes, villain! You know, he's just they're taking plates or whatever. I don't even know, but it's just incredibly stupid. Yeah, this is not that bad. No, This it's is not. relatively... It's, not. it's it's there because you need a landmark, because then when you to, cut the 34 years later, you need to know that that's the same spot. That he planted yeah. this plant or whatever it is. So it's like, you know what? If you need a landmark, why not make some money inside? Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's plot important
1: product placement. Yeah, so it sets the stage that... For Kurt Russell's character named Ego, uh, later on in the movie, to be reintroduced.
0: Yeah. So then, yeah, you cut to 34 years later, and uh, you've got this opening sequence, which I absolutely love. Do I, you really? I, I, oh, how could you? I mean, this is going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those episodes where you are being too negative because you just wanted. No, I'm. I, I, I I'm shocked that you don't love this opening. I, I love it so much.
1: I w- the credit sequence. I wish I did. I don't.
0: But what I love about it is, you think this is going to be a big pre-title. Like speaking of Bond, like it feels like it's they're setting up this big action sequence to be like a pre-credits sequence. No, it is the credit sequence, and it's happening out of focus while Baby Groot dances to electronic-like orchestra, <laughs> electric light orchestra. All right, I love the choice of the song. I love the freeze frame when when it hits the title, right as the music starts. I love. Just following groot while, like you can't even tell what's happening in the background, like crazy stuff's happening in the background, and like the multicolored spit that this creature's like spitting at everybody, and you can't see what's happening because it's focused
1: on groot just dancing along. I love it I wish I did I, I and here's what drives it, and some of why I think I liked the first one better than the second one. I don't like baby groot at all I, and and so for this sequence yeah I, I do i don't I do appreciate the action not really being seen. And I think I would appreciate it more if I just Groot as a character. Baby Groot doesn't. A lot of what I liked about the first movie. Now Drax took that took Groot and Rocket's place in this movie very very well. Those two characters I do not enjoy in this movie. And this opening sequence is an example of that.
0: It's oh, like, Rocket's the other one you think is is not the same?
1: Yeah, not at all. Okay, I'm
0: curious to hear examples of because I. I I don't really notice that much of a difference in his character. All right. Well, I mean, I think some of it is they were trying to impose a, a character arc on him. Yes. That sets him
1: back a little bit. Yeah. You and, know, it, and it, it does reset him a little you, bit. You kind of hit the nail on the head there of why I think that he's a different character. But but whatever. So th- those two changes, and it's not that it's a bad opening sequence. I think that it's that I enjoyed Groot more in the first movie. And so, like, kind of, that's a whole character, including this sequence that I just, I'm like, eh, I'm not into in this one.
0: I mean, I, I guess I wasn't that into Groot in the first movie, so I feel like this gives him more character because he's an adorable baby who's getting, he's a little scamp that's getting himself into trouble, I you guess. know, and occasionally, you know, I I just like I the, think, I like the anything, idea that he, he finds a rat and he's like in his own little fight with this rat that
1: just happens to be there and yeah, that's, it's like this parallel. Fine. I, I really enjoy it. Right. I think the, the music choice is perfect. I do. I, I agree with you on that. I think it is an excellent choice. I think it, it more goes to just that I don't like what happened with the character and so it kind of dampers because he is really the focus of the opening sequence.
0: <laughs> but there's no other character you could get away with that. It's not like you could have Rocket dancing along no, while I- there's a fight. It's like, I think, for me, it really sets the tone the the comedy is in the foreground in focus the action is out of focus in the background and it's almost giving this promise of just like you know what this is mostly just silly it's a, it's going to be a comedy
1: yeah that's fair
0: i think the ending doesn't live up to that i think it it gets too bogged down in its action sequences and you know it has to have the big sturm and drang ending and it's yeah, like cuz
1: it's it's a marvel movie right yeah
0: so i mean i it's still going to be the formula I, I think it doesn't entirely live up to that promise but i in the moment when i'm watching that opening
1: i'm i'm so on board All right. i love that credit, okay. credit sequence so, but it does establish who they've been hired for to, to fight. Uh, I don't even know what they, they ultimately were killing. It doesn't really matter. As you said, it's kind of in the background anyway.
0: Interdimensional creature or something. Yeah, I think that's it, all
1: they say. It doesn't really matter. But they've been hired, the Guardians have been hired by the Sovereign, who, you know, are kind of a. There's two villains in, in this movie, and the, the, the Sovereign, who I, I like that creation. I like this idea of this. You know, master created race that is utterly incompetent. Yeah. (laughs) I think that I, that's probably the aspect of this movie that I like the most because I actually don't, I I like Kurt Russell, but ego seems, I don't know, that, that, that arc has been done. It feels like too many times that I was, I've never, the first viewing and this viewing, I was never really into ego that much.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think that's weak. I think that's one of the weaker parts of this movie is the the main villain, ego. But I, well, there are two secondary villains and I like them both. There's Sovereign, this, Engineered race of, of beings. And then there's also uh, Taserface, oh, who's, I, who's I the mean, other secondary The mutinous, villains? yes, Taserface. Yeah, I, I mean, t- both of the secondary villains are better than Kurt Russell yes. as the main villain. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we'll get to the Taserface. But, um, yeah, so in exchange for defending their, their, I don't remember the actual name, the Harbulary Batteries. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I remember. Them. <laughs> yes. they're, they're called Harbulary Batteries. No, they're not. I think it's something that starts with an A. Amulax or yeah, something? something? something like that. Like that. But in exchange for protecting, it's <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a funny running joke. Man, Drax is so great. But anyway, in exchange for defending those batteries against an interdimensional beast, uh, they exchange uh, for Nebula. Yes. But they're just trying to get the the reward for her. Is that all it is? Like, it's not like Gamora wants to save her or anything. Like, they hate each other at this point.
1: See, to me, that was kind of unclear. Yeah, that whole subplot is kind of there just to. I think that's the home the family aspects. Yeah, there's
0: that. I mean, I I feel like that's the one part of this movie that feels like it was imposed on the movie by the greater Marvel thing of just like we need to have you know Nebula and Gamora reconcile in this movie because we have plans for them later on. And it doesn't yeah. feel like it's a natural part of the story. But I guess in, in theory they're just turning her, her in for a bounty, whatever. I don't know if it's that important.
1: Yeah, no, I that seems to be, but it just it doesn't. From their presentation, it, it seems like Gamora—they're not rescuing her, but they may not necessarily be turning her in for the bounty either. Is is kind of what I—the impression I get.
0: Yeah, because eventually they well, well Rocket steals the batteries, and yes. so they get chased by the the Sovereign and crash on uh, some planet. I don't
1: even the, know whatever what it's the called. Close, yeah the closest planet. Yeah. So, the, the, and that's only after a. Uh, a guy. Uh, what what did they say? Like, th- oh, the one inch man. One inch man. I couldn't remember how many inches. They, the one inch man, who turns out to be. Eventually, we learn his ego ultimately saves them from the sovereign. Yeah, which I don't like the way ego is introduced. Like, I, I think the one thing I, I well, think he's introduced for comedic effect to call him the one inch man.
0: Yeah, but he just kind of shows up. He's just like, I'm here. I don't know. Like, nothing really seemed like it prompted it. He's just like, here's the time when I happen to show up. Like, it doesn't really. It doesn't. It feels kind of arbitrary.
1: I wouldn't necessarily put the blame on Kurt Russell's feet. Like I, I think no, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. He's giving a pretty good performance. He's fine. I don't, I don't think the character is that interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I want to mention Kurt Russell because you know I picked this in part because we just did Tango and Cash, <laughs> and so there was the link between that and this. And I never explained. I just said offhandedly in the Tango and Cash episode that I didn't like his performance, and we never kind of caught back up and uh, and talked about it. Here's my take on Kurt Russell. And, you know, Kurt Russell was on our list of possibles to yeah. cover his entire career one at a time. Um, that would have really given us a lot of Disney movies, considering he was, oh, a, he was a child actor who made, like, <laughs> 20 Disney movies as a teenager. Oh, man. He was the computer who wore tennis shoes, you know? Like, we would have had to watch all those. So I think that was one reason why we didn't go with Kurt Russell, because it was just like, oh When you
1: pointed that out, I think I, <laughs> I I withdraw my questions. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... People forget that he was a child actor, Like it's it,
0: especially considering, you know, now you look at Kurt Russell and he's this kind of grizzled veteran. Yeah. Not grizzled, I mean, whatever. Elder I mean, statesman. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's been acting for like 50 years. He's, a, he's probably not much older than 60. And he's, he's, I think he's been acting close to 50 years. Anyway, I like Kurt Russell sometimes, but the one thing I don't like about Kurt Russell is he, he has like a spectrum. On one end is cool, tough guy. On the other end is like... Like slob Captain Ron, Captain Ron. I mean, overboard, overboard, even like even used cars. I say I like used cars, so I haven't seen it in forever, but I I remember not liking it because I don't like that end of the Kurt Russell spectrum. Okay, so that's kind of just to explain why I don't particularly like his performance in in Tango and Cash Cash. because it's more on that end, it's in the middle because he's also a cool, tough guy, but he's kind of the the everyman eating pizza and all that. So, I mean, I think. In Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, he's more on the like the rugged cool guy end, and so generally, I think he's really good at that. You know, like Tombstone. Yeah, I love I love him as Wyatt Earp. I think he's incredible in that movie. You know, and this is even though he's a villain, he's more on just like cool all powerful guy. So just just to, I I think he's good. He drives good in a his.
1: cool car. I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> he does. He drives a cool car and also a weird orb that he flies
1: around on. <laughs> yes. That's less cool, I think. Than the car? Yes, it is less cool, without a doubt.
0: <laughs> He's got his own planet with, like, bubbles and things. I, it, well, it's him, too. I it's, guess. It's not just his planet, it's him. That's not clear, either. None, none of it is clear. His motivations aren't clear. Like, literally, I don't know, if, we, we may as well talk about it now. I've got, like, nine questions about him. Like, my question segment is just like... No,
1: save him for questions. I don't have a ton, so let's save him for questions.
0: <laughs> okay, I've got a lot of questions, but a lot of them have to do with ego, because I don't think his... Character makes a lot of sense.
1: I don't think it's well built out either, so yeah. we'll leave it at that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So to move forward on the plot, so they crash land uh, because Quill and Rocket can't get along and de- you know determine who who can pilot better. Uh, they crash and then inevitably, really, what it is is they got to split the team up to have people on different missions to to basically fill out the movie.
0: Yeah, this is the Empire Strikes Back of this series, so yes. they got to split up. Exactly, um, it's tough because. For a long time, the Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax part of the movie doesn't have really any tension. Nope. You have a sense that it's like, okay, Kurt Russell's probably not all he's cracked up to be. And there are a few times, because we we meet, uh, um what's the her name? with the Mantis. Mantis, thank you. And there are a few moments where she's like, mm, I should tell you something, <laughs> never mind. And then she kind of drops it. So it's like the movie's dropping hints, like, oh, don't worry, there will be drama so at some point. But there's like, a I don't know, 15 minute stretch oh, where... Least. Peter's off playing catch. Yeah, well, that happens a little later, but just like encountering the wor- the ego's world and just learning more about ego, and he gives his like... His uh, museum presentation about his life. <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. Uh, In yeah. the orbs, the orb museum. He may as well be pushing a button and be like uh, you know, you go travel to this planet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to pick up like the phone to hear to hear <laughs> right, exactly. The presentation. Yeah.
0: That's how it feels to me. It feels like a boring museum presentation. <laughs> it's like I, this is how that's they're deciding kind of to to tell the audience right. about the backstory
1: <laughs> uh, of basically a god, right? That. Yeah, he's a god. He, he, but what I'm saying is that in this boring way is how they're... pretty do you, you, you think true, there's yeah. a way to like jazz up? It's a god! It's, You'd it's,
0: think it's, it's the most amazing story, and yes. it's it's presented in the most boring way. Um, yeah,
1: and meanwhile, Rocket... I mean, think about how cool Zool is in Ghostbusters. She's a god, so why can't they jazz up Ego's uh, backstory a oh, little bit? the scene... I mean, that's tough
0: in any movie to get across exposition. It's like, okay, we've got to explain this. The scene in Ghostbusters where they've got the blueprints and Rey is explaining about uh, you know nobody built buildings like this that scene is still compelling even though it's just it's a full like 90 seconds of just explaining yep. things to the audience absolutely and you know it's funny because that's a scene where ray is just telling them what's happening usually they say show don't tell but it's like it almost feels like in this movie it's like oh they say show don't tell so we should show you know these these exhibits yeah. dioramas <laughs> of uh, ego's life it just feels like they're showing for the sake of showing yeah. i mean kurt russell's still talking and explaining everything so it it seems Diorama is a great analogy too. It seems kind of hokey, it does. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't think it
1: works. I mean, whatever. I, they had to figure out a way to explain ego. No, but I, I you, you you hit on a good point that that segment of the splitting of the group most of that stuff drags. There's some great stuff with Drax that makes me laugh yeah. and his interactions with Mantis, but I am also extremely <laughs> humble. <laughs> yeah. Actually,
0: <yes. laughs> Everything Drax says in this movie is hilarious. Like <laughs> flat out hilarious. I'm not, you know, this is not <laughs> it's hyperbole. Yeah. Just, I just laugh out loud, funny, everything he says. I also am very humble. Oh. I think he says extraordinarily.
1: <laughs> I am also extraordinarily humble. Oh. Uh, uh well then so on the other side you've got uh Rocket with uh, Nebula as a prisoner and Groot. Don't yes. forget Baby Groot. Yeah, but Baby Groot can't do anything. That's he, my- he frees Nebula. He's he's essential. He's the one who lets her go, and he, that's why he, she. He does make a poor decision and let her go.
0: He's a baby. How are you so judgmental? about this child.
1: <laughs> you really hate this character. I don't. I, I just don't like what they did with the character. I would Would you me- prefer he just be dead? Still, I. He, I would. Give, given the choice, I would rather Groot have not come back. Yeah. Mm, I don't agree with that. That's. Hey, that's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. I like Baby Groot. I mean, we, when
0: we get to the later segment where we talk about the MCU, I'm curious how you feel about
1: teenage Groot in okay.
0: the, the Avengers movie.
1: And so, what we failed to point out is the Sovereign have reached out to an old uh, old counterpart or an old friend from the first Guardians of the Galaxy yes. to chase down the Guardians and get the uh, the batteries back. <laughs> and it is probably for me uh one of the best parts of this movie if not the best part of the movie uh so we get the scene at which the scene at the uh now just Michael Rooker in general and Yandu Oh okay I agree with you there yeah is he's great in this. Be, between Dave Bautista and as Drax and Michael Rooker as Yandu that that's all I'm really interested in this movie I'll be, I'll be honest the but, rest the rest is kind of academic for me
0: Yandu's story is what really hits home for me and it's kind of what i'm getting at where i uh, the ending really works for me i mean yeah the scene with him and stallone and that like snowy brothel yeah whatever yeah i guess so it's like a robo brothel yeah um it's
1: actually kind of disturbing and sad like all those like robotic prostitutes for a disney movie and i so there's um uh oh man a couple of good TV shows that have explored humans, uh, which I think is on the BBC, but it's it's been on Amazon. It explores the idea of fully functioning uh, AI, you know, robots, and yeah. a portion of that of you know what human beings would do. I mean, it, it Westworld is the same thing. Yeah, uh, I just I'm surprised to see that concept in a Disney movie. They push everything to the absolute edge, like in terms of like hinting
0: at things but not stating them outright. Because like at no point does anybody point out that they're prostitutes no but it's, it's very very clear yeah but I mean it's the kind of thing where a kid watching that wouldn't even occur to them what's probably going not. on you no, know probably it's, not and a lot of that stuff is other than them talking about ego's penis it's like literally it's a whole conversation that's right I've got a penis so I mean that's pretty that's as as explicit as it is he's movie a planet he, <laughs> he would <laughs> smush her I love the choice of the word smush not crush it's you'd smush her perfect word choice Um, Uh, it is great no but the scene between i mean michael rooker and stallone this is our cliffhanger reunion we haven't covered it yet but uh you know they're both in cliffhanger and here they are again
1: working together again i'm looking forward to the cliffhanger episode
0: i am too actually we keep uh, covering the the action category and so it keeps getting ruled out yep i thought you were gonna pick it for our first one back so yeah it'll be in season three at the earliest Uh, i haven't watched it in forever but i remember michael rooker and stallone being fun together and just being having that adversarial kind of a thing. Yeah, and I t- and here it's being used in a totally different way. They're they're truly at odds. Yeah, butting heads. Anyway, yeah, where were we? So yeah, the 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 Ravagers catch up to Rocket and them. Yeah, Rocket does a a pretty good job of keeping them at bay
1: for a while, but there's just too many.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that sequence? I think it kind of drags. It does.
1: I'm not that I don't I, think it really works. I, I, fe- I feel like it was they needed to give Rocket a scene and yeah. using his toys. And, and it's okay, but I do think that it drags. It's okay. Especially because he is then shown up big time by Yondu later on. I mean, it's it's not even sure, close. that's true. I mean, it is not even close. Well, and I feel for you, I tried on the body count, I just threw up my hands. I'll tell you right now, I threw up my
0: hands too. Well... The, the only thing worth noting is uh, Stallone has zero on the body count. That's really the important number. Yes. We'll loop back to the total number
1: at a later date because, yeah, I didn't have time. I will just tell you that Rocket is embarrassed by Yondu later in this movie. But
0: that's a good comparison. I didn't even think about it, but you're right. This sequence is totally upstaged by an almost identical sequence later that's oh, like way, way better, has better music choice, is just edited better, and is just more compelling um, you know, this Glen Campbell song that's being used here—it's just—it's—it doesn't fit, in my opinion. No, I
1: think "drags" is probably the the best adjective you can have for it. it Just—it doesn't—you can't have both of these sequences in the same movie because no. it's like, yeah, no one's gonna remember this part. No, well, no, not compared <laughs> again. Yeah. You're right. The music choice, everything in that uh, Prison Break—it's outstanding.
0: It is. Well, let's get there because yeah. I mean, they all Rocket and that team get captured by the Ravagers. I I like the the Ravagers. I think they're generally pretty funny. Taserface
1: is pretty good. Taserface is pretty good and <laughs> I mean it does set up it sets up an interesting dynamic and really the arc to to have the eventual mutiny and and running Yandu out and back towards his surrogate son basically Peter Quill. So I mean it is important too, but it also does set up maybe Rocket's best stuff of making fun of Taserface is probably his best stuff in the movie cuz I I really don't I mean Bradley Cooper isn't He's voice acting, but not necessarily I I don't like what he's doing in this movie. That's funny
0: because I think this is my least favorite rocket stuff is that scene where he's making fun of Taserface. Really? I like the idea because yeah, the idea like Taserface that's that's your name? <laughs> Taser face? But everything after that, like there's like a there's like a scrotum joke and like it gets way bigger a laugh from the rest of the Ravagers than it deserves. It's just like that's not funny at all.
1: Um, you know, I guess I mean, that's true. It, for me, they're, they're, I I don't really like almost anything that Rocket is doing. So I throw the, it all out and it'd be fine. The initial reaction of like Taser Face, that's your name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it just, I think it just he, that might drag too. That it, he goes yeah. a little bit too long making fun of it.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of th- sequences that go too long. You know, another one that goes too long. It starts off really funny when um, they're flying to Ego's planet, and it's the moment where it's like, oh, I can feel people's emotions. And uh, uh, Mantis puts her hand on Peter Quill, and she's like, yo, oh, you have sexual love for her. And then, and then Drax is like, ah, you're, she just told everyone <laughs> your deepest, darkest secret. Hilarious. <laughs> One of the funniest moments in the movie, but then it goes on too long, and she starts explaining more. Oh, I can put ego to sleep, and Drax like, "Oh, do it on me!" And she puts him to sleep, and it's like, oh. and it's like "That's not that, that's not the capper to the scene. Don't go out on that. You had the you know you started the scene with a showstopper, and then just the scene went on too long. It,
1: it is true." Because of Dave Batista's
0: delivery, ah, his laugh, and you just revealed his deepest, darkest singer Do me, do me, do me. That's not so you're right. He, you, the joke like, keeps building on itself because then she puts her hand on him and she's like, "I've never felt so much humor." And she points her, her, her finger at him. Oh, he keeps escalating the joke, but then it keeps going. I don't. Understand. That's the end of the scene, right there. Her pointing at Peter Quill and laughing. That's hilarious. End the scene. I, it keeps you're going. Right.
1: You're right. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so the ravagers ultimately mutiny and with uh, nebula's i guess assistance, because Nebula's really the one who helps the ravagers
0: yeah, she shoots the
1: thing off of uh, zandu's head, yeah, because yandu wa- ultimately oh, yeah, Yondu, was pardon. not going to turn in the guardians to to the sovereign. we you know later understand why, but. His his logic, by the way, does totally make sense. Yeah. So he has a very logical position, and so for them to mutiny and turn on that, I, I do understand that it was building up over time of why you know Quill always got we'll call it priority. Well, but the Ravagers had a p- good point too because a quarter million is only one third of a million. <laughs> no, it's twenty five. <laughs> right. Twenty five is only a quarter. You, you can't, can't even buy, buy your boots. boots. Uh. But I, I think Yondu has a very good point that if they if they kill the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think a lot of people would be after them. I guess that
0: begs the question, do the Guardians of the Galaxy have an official position? Because I guess in the wake of the first movie... At least it they seem like they're mercenaries. Right, like, the, would would that planet from the first movie come after them? Would John C. Riley get angry and come after the Ravagers? Oh,
1: I think so, absolutely.
0: Really? Okay, if that's the case, then maybe that makes sense. It, it does seem... Like, I th- they have some I'm standing.
1: Not... I, th- I think the Guardians do have some standing.
0: Okay, it doesn't feel like it, so maybe, but if they do, then I, I agree with you. In the moment when I'm watching him, I'm like, that seems like a flimsy excuse, but I agree that it makes sense why he's making this excuse. Yeah. That's not his actual
1: reason. No, he has, he, he has a real reason. I give him credit, though. He thought he was thinking thinking on his feet. Right, but then I guess that begs the question,
0: why did they even go? Because, I mean, I guess he just wanted the batteries. He's like, oh, we'll, t- we'll steal the batteries and we'll sell those. They're worth a quarter million, but it's like if, if Yondu didn't actually want to capture them, then why did he take the take Ravagers the there in the first place? Yeah. You know, because he's just putting himself in an awkward position that's by true. doing that. He
1: shouldn't have taken the job from the Sovereign in the first place. Right. Yeah. But I guess, what's he going to do?
0: Turn them down? They they came all that way with their little rug. <laughs> they, they rolled that rug out for... <laughs> that is
1: true. He, I forgot he about didn't, didn't want to insult her, I guess. Yeah, especially when it gets, you know, caught there on the on <laughs> yeah. a roller there and you got to kind of jiggle it a little bit. That's, you know, adding moments
0: like that to this big space epic, that's... I love the way James Gunn... It's like most people wouldn't even think to do a moment like that.
1: No, it is of just, small.
0: Yeah, just things not working. You would think in this high-tech world everything would work perfectly. It's just like,
1: nope, a simple no. roller. And the other reason I love it is, again, they're, they're genetically engineered, right? And they seem incompetent. In every, even the smallest things, they don't get done correctly. Well, it seems like...
0: If everything is w- running smoothly, they're awesome. But the s- the smallest <laughs> thing variable, goes no, wrong. Right, yeah.
1: Any variable that does not go according to plan, they have no adaptability whatsoever.
0: Yeah, totally. And it makes perfect sense because they've engineered their society <laughs> to be perfectly organized. In, uni- in unison, yeah, right. It's just like a house of cards. <laughs> you know, you just nudge it a little bit and <laughs> everything falls.
1: falls. That's a great analogy. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and this is around the time when
1: things turn south and on Ego's planet, I guess. Yeah, and even that stuff... I, the action sequences, you've got uh, Nebula you know, chasing down Gamora. Just, I, yeah. All the stuff on the planet just isn't really that interesting. That Nebula-Gamora G- scene, a waste. I really don't think it it should be in this movie. Fine,
0: put it in a different movie if this is where you want to take... One of the Avengers movies or yeah. something like that. I mean, I think it would make sense. I mean, <laughs> Infinity War is already like three hours long, so I mean, maybe that's part of it. It's to... only
1: half the story.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, we'll get there. We'll talk about it, but... um yeah, it doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. Like it it pays off in the moment where Nebula saves Gamora's life later and yeah, she's like, ah get over yourself or whatever. But it's like this little self-contained arc that has no bearing on the rest of the story. It's like it's not as if Nebula helps in any way to defeat ego. What does she do? She doesn't do anything. I mean and neither of them really. I mean essentially it's Yandu and Peter yes, and Groot. Groot is the one who ultimately does it. So there you go. Essential to the story, baby Groot. He yeah. has to decide which
1: button to push. He does and he does successfully do it even without tape, scotch or otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun moment. Uh, that moment in that sequence is that is one of the uh, if you want to call it the James Gunn moments, I do like in the background all this action sequences going on, and you only hear quill yeah. going to everybody if they have tape, and of course the showstopper is Drax. Yeah, Scotch tape will probably work. Well, why would you ask me? If the
0: Scotch would work if Drax didn't have any. Drax getting the biggest laugh, even when he it's, you can't hear his
1: dialogue. You he can't still hear gets the, the biggest dialogue, laugh. and he's not on screen, but he still has the showstopper yeah, of abso- Scotch tape. Um, and I like that the Drax knows what Scotch tape is. By the way, yeah.
0: Well, you know, he's been around Quill for at least a couple of months. Who knows how long it's been. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then it, it, the whole Yandu thing—they break out. Yondu and Rocket break out with Baby Groot's help. Uh, he gets a, a new cool fin on his head, yes, like a mohawk. The, the, pro,
1: the prototype,
0: yeah. Um, which I, apparently I didn't realize that's how that character actually looked in the comics. That's the one little bit that I was reading about. In I didn't. Of, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that, that's that's a character from the original. I think Guardians. Guardians from like the late '60s, early '70s, whatever it was. And those are the characters, the Stallone team at the end. Those are the original Guardians of the Galaxy oh, gotcha. from the '70s or whatever. And then the book got canceled, and they brought it back in like the late '80s. With
1: Star Lord and all them, I didn't know that. So okay, so then that credit sequence makes way more sense because I'm like, what? Yeah, what is any of this? Why is this in the credit sequence? Most of the
0: the post credit sequence, there are five post credit scenes in this movie, which is too many. Yes, I mean it's kind of it almost becomes like a Ferris Bueller thing of like it, it, when is it going to end? Yeah, well, it's like that's the joke of it. It's just like the credit keeps stopping and says, another scene. And there's another scene." It's almost it's almost the joke of it. Um, but yeah, most of the post-credit scenes in this movie are just for comic book fans and don't make any sense. There's also the one where it's like, "I have created the perfect creature, Adam." Well, that's okay. I don't know what that means. I have no idea who Adam is, especially because it's such a generic name. I've created the. I mean, I wasn't sure if that was the joke, and then I looked it up. It's like, oh no, Adam is a comic book character, and I guess they're gonna introduce yeah, Adam a in the f- future. Yeah. But it's like, Adam, I've created the perfect, <laughs> you know, killing machine,
1: Adam. And I thought it was a joke, but it's not. It's that's totally a, a Marvel oh, character. Oh, really? See, I I didn't know it was a Marvel character, but just because I figured it was setting up that it was it was a legitimate character, that it wasn't a joke. But I can understand why you would, because you know, seventy percent of this movie is jokes, not action.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly wasn't sure, but yeah. yeah, it's but anyway, I think Yandu and Adam were all and Yandu had a big like red monarch, Gotcha. So that's why they did that for like as a, a wink and a nod.
1: Yeah, so they they ultimately break out and uh blow up most of the ship but take just <laughs> enough to be able to escape yeah in the best sequence in the movie I think without a doubt
0: it was, uh, Yeah, perfect music choice come, come a little bit closer is inspired you would never think I would never think to use a song like that no um, that's a song that I associate with my mom playing oldies radio you know <laughs> So, I mean, and now you've got it with a great action sequence. Yeah, I would never have thought it would be, it would accompany the murder of hundreds <laughs> of people. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds, probably. There must be 50 in that one shot where they're walking across a gantry and, and just falling s- down in slow motion. Um, it's a really fun sequence.
1: Yeah. And so then, you know, the two worlds, of course, come together. They're bringing the ship and I don't even remember how many, what was it, 100 jumps that they had to do? Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know. I feel like I'm criticizing this movie a lot because I don't get that sequence either. I don't think it's very funny. Like, no. it's just like this weird Willy Wonka moment of going Pretty through much. the tunnel. I guess is the yeah. thing. So whatever. So they're on their way, and uh, you know, of course, Ego has revealed, you know, reveal what his true plan is, and that he, you know, he needed Peter because he can't effectively wipe out all of life on every planet that he's been on without another celestial god basically. Okay.
0: I mean, I feel like we should talk about it. I have two questions. I'm just going to pull them up all right here. If he is a god who went in search of life in the galaxy because he wanted because he felt alone and wanted to find out if he was if whether or not he was <laughs> alone, then why does he want to become the only life in the universe? I don't understand how those two things fit together. And then also why is he admitting to Peter that he willingly put cancer in his mother's head. Why would he admit that in this moment when he's trying to convince Peter to join him? Here, I'm going to tell you the thing that's clearly going to turn you your against me. Your motivation, right? Your motivation to turn against me. It's not as if Peter discovers this. That's the thing that's disappointing about this whole plot. It's like if Peter somehow actively discovered it, you know, through by using his wits and by so, like putting two and two together and solving or, or, the problem.
1: Or if he went to, you know, that ego foolishly has his entire history in those dioramas and he you know he doesn't show all the dioramas but peter's just wandering around the museum and finds like you know the dusty room wait sure. now, what's this one and picks up the phone and hears it fine but so that i thought you were
0: going to say that there was like a clue in the back of a diorama and it's like an encyclopedia brown story <laughs> this
1: diorama had a, a clue that tipped me off that you killed my mother I'll tell you, I think it just comes down to the writing just wanting to speed up Peter's, you know, rejection for, for the for action sequence. Yeah, it feels lazy. Like, I think, yeah. other than the Yandu plot, which I think completely
0: works for me, like, on an emotional level, everything else feels kind of, like, the plot just feels sort of slapped together. Like, yeah, it's just kind of, like, moving pieces around, going, like, we need to get this person here. We need to do this. Um if for, it wasn't so funny, like this movie is I think a lot funnier than the first movie, and if it wasn't so I, i'm just I'm very charmed by this movie moment to moment, even if the core of the story doesn't really hold together in any meaningful way yeah. um moment to moment, I really enjoy this movie, but yeah, just this whole ego story doesn't make a lot of sense no, and
1: I think for me that's the reason why I don't like this movie nearly as much as the first one is what you point out is that you know the comedy works for me, but yeah, it feels like seventy five percent of the movie is, as you said, thrown together, with the only underlying... I don't know if I said thrown together. I was just saying they're, they're, it's, it feels mechanical. Okay, it feels mechanical, like and it's moving the pieces on the board to if, move them. If I said thrown together, I misspoke. I don't. I, no, think, I wouldn't that, go that, that far. All right, that, that's probably more me, but the loose thread between them all is it's family, family, family. Sure. And that's fine. I, I get that, and I do appreciate that, but I think it also is some of the reason why I'm, I don't feel that invested in any... Drax for the comedy and Yandu for his actual plot and story and the rest, I don't really care. Yeah, but that's enough for me. No. Well, I, I I really, really like the Yandu story. I think every
0: part of that works. Okay. From beginning to end, from the Stallone scene to beginning, because obviously he's the father figure for Yandu, and the way that kind of filters yeah. down to Peter and the way uh, Yandu goes back for his surrogate son, you know, and then sacrifices himself.
1: Yeah, ultimately in the end,
0: right? Yeah, for... for for quill and then the fact that stallone you know uh, Yandu's father figure comes back in the end and forgives him and and honors him i mean i'm getting chills just thinking about that funeral sequence i am not embarrassed to say that i tear up every time i watch that that funeral it's there are very few movies that make me that emotional that actually like cause me to to cry a little bit toy story three toy story three is one of them okay
1: I'm honest about it. I'm not embarrassed. I much. just I I just watched that recently. I do really like it. I'm just not sure. I don't have the same reaction. I, I like you Toy know, Story three. Don't get me wrong. You know what mo- what moments
0: make me cry in movies? It's not sad moments. It's joy. It's characters expressing joy. It's the moment. W- it's not the moment where they're about to. Well, spoilers for Toy Story three. It's not the moment where they're about to die. It's the moment where they're saved. It's the moment w- of relief where it's like we we survived. We made it. You know, and that's it's. Okay. It's joy gets me more than anything. And it's the same you. thing here at the end with the funeral. Uh, Sean Gunn's character, I don't know that character's name, but uh, you know Yandu's kind of second in command. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's going to bother me. I don't know. I, I wrote down the character's name a bunch, but as I was writing it down, I'm going, I'll never remember this character's name. <laughs> but um, it's, that, it's him seeing the Ravagers come back and honoring Yandu in death. Yeah, he's and, pretty fired up. And he goes, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a really... Great moment and like great performance and like it's a real moment of joy. Like oh they're they're here to honor Yondu that they've they, you know Stallone's character's forgiven him and and the Cat Stevens song I would never in a million years listen to Cat Stevens. <laughs> it works beautifully. I love the ending of this movie and this is like ten minutes after a giant Pac Man. <laughs> You know, appeared on screen. <laughs> you know, it's like, how can those two things exist in the same movie? And I, I love both moments. I love Peter turning into a giant stone Pac-Man, and then I'm crying ten minutes later, and I don't understand how it's possible. And that's why I can't. As much as doesn't work in this movie, the parts that work, the highs are so high for me.
1: They're okay. so high. That's fair. I just uh, love I love those moments I did look it up Craglin is, the, okay, is yes. the second in command yes. so I think I think that pretty much covers the plot you know for the most part yeah more or less yeah. well, I'm glad we touched on the Pac-Man because I, well, I, 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 I have I was going to say I have it later in, in my notes so. okay we well, speak we're moving on to another
0: uh, segment my question is should we do the technology segment because I literally have nothing this came out
1: Less than two years ago, it's set in a crazy future world. <laughs> yeah, these so the ones movie, we, uh, movies with this where it's set. I mean, even Demolition Man. I was going We had some issues when it's set in a futuristic. It's very difficult to do. So no, I didn't have any for this one either. So should we skip it? Yeah, we can just skip. this Okay, one. no no
0: technology this time. Yeah, I think because Demolition Man at least came out twenty years ago, yeah. so we can talk about the ways that. It failed to predict the future. Yes. Although technically, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is set in 2014, so it's not in the future. Anyway, moving on to Little Details, I'm going to try to make this a, a, a tradition going forward. Here's the new Little Details theme. When I heard her say,
1: hey, that cardboard headstone tipped know, over this graveyard is obviously phony.
0: I literally threw that together
1: five minutes before you got here. So, is the tradition going to be every single movie you're going to sample music yes. for that one? Yeah, All right, that's that's, that's, fair. that's the idea, and that is the perfect song from this one. It is by far and away the most interesting song in the movie. It's the most memorable piece of music from the movie. Yeah. Sure so, here is the segment where we try and find uh, minutia in the movie that uh, was amusing or interesting to us. Well, since we we're talking about the music, uh, maybe I should start because I I went through every piece of music
0: and I have, a, I have i just want to talk about the music in this movie because obviously it's pretty central i mean in a lot of cases they're literally talking about it in, yep. you know the characters are talking about it so what i did is i went through i took every song on the soundtrack and i tried to figure out is this the most memorable or iconic use of that musician's oh. music in a movie okay so i'll blow through these real fast you can tell me if you agree or disagree or if, you know I, I, you'll, you'll recognize some of these so, like, first of all, Brandy by Looking Glass, they talk about it in the movie. You know, obviously, this has to be the most memorable use of this song, or I don't know what else
1: Looking Glass did. I've never heard of anything other than them. I, I, I mean, it, it's the focal point and driving force. Um, yeah. I mean, the lyrics are specifically referenced by characters, yeah. so and yes. This movie uses it as a metaphor for, yeah. for
0: uh, Ego's plan or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's metaphorical! I'm the sailor.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's the sailor. The the, the, the sea calls him whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is the best use of that song, uh, uh, of that you know musical group. I think that's fair. Mister Blue Sky by ELA, ELO. That's the uh, opening credits sequence. You'll know this one. There's one. ELO song that is i think better is more memorable okay and it is from kingpin it's gonna be a showdown. <laughs> probably so yeah i think that's a better use of electric light orchestra um <laughs> i love that sequence. i don't even like kingpin that much but that sequence is so great man. uh
1: i actually really enjoy and still do enjoy kingpin so i definitely agree on that one. okay um, you remember that part right that's oh yeah. yeah i figured you'd Look, remember that one Roy Munson and Big Earn McCracken are two of my favorite comedic (laughs) characters of all time. Uh, I'm not a—you know, Randy Quaid, I can kind of take or leave in most movies and— And in life, I think. (laughs) Okay, in many ways. But I'm telling—I mean, I've—I will continue to say Woody Harrelson is among my favorite actors, is so versatile. It's one of my favorite comedic roles for him, and that is Bill Murray. It's not at his peak— and his best, but it is among his best. It's pretty good. So, I
0: agree with you. Woody Harrelson may be the most underrated actor uh, working today. It's, it's, it's,
1: he's in the running. I, I will say, he's not underrated by me. Right. I may overrate him a little bit, but to most people, no, I, I do not think Woody Harrelson gets nearly the amount of credit he, yeah, he deserves. Gosh.
0: Anyway, yeah, moving on. Lakeshore Drive by, I never I didn't know who this was by, Eliyatta, James, and Jeremiah. This is a song that is, was basically only a hit in Chicago. It's called Lakeshore Drive. It's about Lakeshore Drive. Yes. You know, and it's like, this was a regional hit from like the early 70s. I've heard it because, you know, classic rock radio here plays it. Yeah. But the fact that that's, you know, how did that make that, how did that make it into this movie? I'm kind of blown away because it's like one of those songs where it's like nobody outside Chicago would have ever heard the song I mean, it's literally... It's about a road, and it's not even like a cool road.
1: Lakeshore Drive is no, not a sexy road. Lakeshore Drive is pretty cool. Is it? No, I t- it's not, they could have no. a song about Michigan Avenue. They could have a song back about back, LaSalle huh? Street. You think about... Any driving game from what arcade game that has Chicago in it? You better believe Lakeshore Drive. No, you're on Lower Wacker. No, 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 no. I don't remember any
0: games where you're driving on Lakeshore Drive. I, <laughs> no. Anyway, the whole song is a, a veiled LSD reference. Anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Tripping on down on LSD. It's the song isn't actually about Lakeshore. See, Drive.
1: I didn't. I thought that was a wider hit just because of that. i I mean, I. Oh, I didn't. I, yeah. I figured that was a big hit too because it's such a big hit here. You'd heard that song before? Oh, absolutely. Because of the LSD thing, I thought that that was just... That, no, it, that's what made it iconic and like a song is it could be a veiled reference, right? Because of being Lakeshore Drive. That's the thing is growing up in Chicago, you hear that song and it's like, oh, that must be a big hit everywhere.
0: No, it's not known mm. outside of the Midwest. Okay. Well, James Gunn grew up in St. Louis, so it's like one of those things. Maybe it traveled yeah. to like Milwaukee right. and St. Louis. Right. Anyway, I'll, I can't even, I looked it up. I couldn't find any other you know, memorable instance where Lakeshore Drive was used. Uh, the Chain by Fleetwood Mac. I don't like Fleetwood Mac. I think this soundtrack is maybe a little too like... Rockin' oldies, uh, you know, baby boomer hits. I don't know. I, I'm not too big a fan of the soundtrack. That's interesting because I thought I remembered you really loving the soundtrack. A couple. I, I like Mr. Blue Sky. That's a great song. Okay. You know. And I like some of the songs. It's just I think too samey. It's a lot of like 70s rock hits. Where right? I think the first movie was a little more varied. There was some like Motown in there. There was a Jackson Five, and there was like a couple punk songs. This is all kind of stuff my parents would have listened to. I mean, well, honestly. Well, volume 3 has a zoom, so you know that there's going to be more contemporary music, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's guaranteed. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm taking up too much time. I'll blast through these. So uh, Go Your Own Way in Forrest Gump, I think, is more memorable by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. I don't like the song, but it's George Harrison. So obviously I the Beatles are more memorable. Yeah, uh, they've had a lot of memorable things. Yes. Southern Nights" by Glen Campbell. I don't like the, that song either. I'm bringing this up because I think the most memorable use of a Glenn Campbell song in pop culture is this. I can't talk to my wife for 28 days. 30 is not an alcoholic. You can't put me on hold. I'll put you on hold. I am a lineman for the county.
1: Your call is important to us. Please continue to hold.
0: And I drive the main road. There are eight called the head of me, and the witch lineman is still on the line!
1: that is outstanding
0: <sighs> that is the most memorable use of glenn Campbell in pop culture in my opinion uh okay a couple uh, couple more bring it home bring it home to me by sam cook uh, the movie interspace uses a ton of sam cook uh, including uh, cupid which is a great song so that's a more memorable use, in my opinion. Okay. Come a bit closer, this one. It kills it. <laughs> yes. I love it. I mean, it's a great song, but no other movie will ever top the way this movie <laughs> no, uses that song. Uh, Wham, bam, shang lang which is a song I'd never heard before this movie. I really like song.
1: It's the song. It's like when the Sovereign come in. Yeah.
0: Wham, bam, shang-a-lang, and a shot. I, I love
1: that song. I think it's really good. Uh, it is. And uh, you know what it reminds me of? It's probably fitting. With them, you know, being in all gold, it just feels like the '70s, and it's like gold shag carpet. Yeah, that song is probably is perfect for the, for their. Entrance. It's a
0: good disco song. I keep yeah. saying there are good disco songs, and yeah. that's one of them. I think it's a really fun song. Uh, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, incredible. I'm, it actually makes me cry, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say that's the not uh, surprising. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I maybe Cat Stevens is good. Maybe I'm just you know mis- misjudging him. Uh, and then the credit songs are Surrender by Cheap Trick, which. I'm not, you know, it just seems like a very stock, classic rock song. Apu also sings a cheap trick song in The Simpsons. I don't have a clip of that, but remember when he sings
1: Dream Police? Uh, Yes, I do, (laughs) because it's one of my all time favorites. Okay. I think he's washing his car. He's washing his car. Also a firebird.
0: Hey, (laughs) he has the same (laughs) taste in cars as Ego. ego. Yeah, exactly. Two cool cats with firebirds. Cruising around the 80s singing Dream (laughs) Police. Um, Okay, and then uh, Flashlight by Parliament. Which is a great song, but George Clinton, the lead singer of Parliament, also wrote both the Howard the Duck theme and uh, Walk the Dinosaur from Super Mario Brothers movie. So I think those are both. <laughs> that's tough
1: to tell. I mean, e- I mean the, to the fact that Howard the Duck is in this movie, so you know that's, how
0: that's true. Yeah, George, George Clinton should have gotten some you know, some cash. Played, yeah, paid the Howard the Duck guy. Uh, uh,
1: well, that's that's a good coverage of music. Uh, come a little closer. I don't. There, there's not gonna be very many action sequences that top not just that song but just in general yeah that's and that's the thing I'm really worried about if somebody else ends up directing
0: Guardians 3 and it's like are they gonna use the songs that James Gunn would have used it's just not gonna be the same oh, so wow. I mean that, it's it's brilliant I no one else in the world would have thought to use that song in that
1: sequence no and I, I think what adds to that sequence too is the whistle by Michael Rooker underneath controlling you know the arrow or whatever it is adds to it yeah it's like timed to fit with the music <laughs> but it doesn't
0: overstate it like that they could have gone too far with it and had him be singing uh, whistling the music right. music the no, song no
1: I, he's doing what he would do without the music there right and it's just there but it is kind of set to that yeah it's fitting it in in the spaces of the yeah. song in a
0: way that kind of complements it
1: <laughs> bodies are just piling up yeah Based on uh, that scene alone, I think you would be – because there's no scene that good in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, in my opinion. Probably not. But, I, the, again, I think the sum of the parts in the first one, just for me, is is better.
0: Okay. Well, we'll talk about it later because we're going to talk about MCU in, in a bit.
1: All right. Just the first thing I want to know in, it, I, in little detail. Yeah, so, already, t- take it away because, sorry, I just, I, no, that's it, basically all I have. I just I, dominated I don't have a ton, and that's fine. Oh, we've covered some. I said uh, that that must be a very successful Dairy Queen who have been around for so many years. <laughs> I don't remember if there were a lot of cars in the parking lot. Oh, that w- that'd be a good one to notice. Yeah. I, but and we've covered this, but I I just want to hammer home here in this, Drax's laugh in every instance made me laugh, and the one that I wanted to call out, I have famously huge turns <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So And the thing is, is that uh, you know me well. Maybe some of the listeners do if they listen to all of I am not like a potty humor. Like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff doesn't make me laugh. Yeah, I agree. But the, And the little bit that I, you know, the Rocket setup, is that, the setup of the joke was that he was going to put a turd in um, Quill's pillow. Yeah. One of Drax's. And so that is like, eh, whatever. Right, if the joke had stopped there, it wouldn't be funny. No. But David Batista's
0: <laughs> in his lab. Yeah. I have famously huge turds. He's so proud of it. I have a list of Drax lines that I liked, and that's all. I uh, that's all I have for this segment is that. So, man,
1: <laughs> all right. Well, this is a good time that okay. hit me with yeah, some yeah, of Since those. we were
0: talking about it, so yeah, I have famously huge turds. Genuinely funny. <laughs> um, when uh, he's like, "Oh, uh, Rocket stole the batteries. That's why they're chasing, us. dude." Oh, I mean, I don't know why they're chasing us. What a mystery this is. <laughs> Deadpans it perfectly. I love that. Um, some of these we already talked about. Oh, one line I really love where <laughs> Quill's like, God, you're like an old woman because I'm wise.
1: Yeah, that's a nice delivery is amazing.
0: Um, because I'm wise. <laughs> when he's like, Oh, I thought, I thought the Yandu was your father. And Rock is like, "Yandu is blue. And he just kind of like gestures. And I'm like, hmm? <laughs> can't you see what I'm talking about? That gesture is really good. Uh, directs a story about his father's telling this tale of the winter solstice about him impregnating his mother. That's- like, dude, that's gross. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> the look on his face. It was beautiful. <laughs> he's so hurt. He's, <laughs> his feelings are so hurt by this. And then, yeah, ouch my nipples is maybe the, fa- the best callback. You know, <laughs> a line from the first five minutes of the movie and then at the end they call it back in the most perfect way. Uh, As he's flying off screen. He's flying out of frame. Ouch my nipples!
1: <laughs> Great. Uh, Alright. Um, did you happen to notice the reference to David Hasselhoff and his magic boat? Oh, yes, I did. I I did
0: have a note saying, Nightboat is real. (laughs) So, my note here says, Nightboat lives. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wasn't it, was Nightboat a magic boat? I don't know. Maybe his magic created
1: all the fjords. (laughs) Maybe it was a magic boat. You know what? As much as we've talked about it, I'd love for Nightboat to be a real show. (laughs) Sure. I would love to watch Nightboat. There's probably you
0: know what? There kind of is a night boat. Remember that Hulk Hogan show? It was like Thunder Beach or something? No. What was the name of that we'll show? We'll have to look it up. It was something like that. It had a lot of wrestlers on it. I think it might have been a WCW production. And he drove a boat. It was it wasn't I think they were mostly out in like the Gulf of Mexico. It was like somewhere in Florida and like he took his boat out and solved crimes. Okay. There's a show like that. I've never watched it.
1: Uh all right, so one other uh, note that i had is I, I thought it was a very interesting choice for a statue that peter quill would create with his powers of pac-man skeletor and heather Locklear. <laughs> yeah. how did he determine that those are what he wanted yeah
0: i mean it's it's
1: a i mean that's that's a crazy I love, combination
0: of I things love skeletor being in there you know what it's something that occurred to me while watching this time i'm sorry to like sort of get off topic but like we learned that he's born after 1980 like he's probably like couple years younger than us. Yeah. Because we're both 79. You're 79, right? Yeah, 79. And yet all of his references are kind of people who are more James Gunn's age, who's like, he's like a couple years older than us. Yeah. So it's like, would someone who's born like 81 or so know Skeletor? I guess maybe. Or like Heather Locklear? That's the thing. It, it seems like references are just a little off from the way age he should have been.
1: I, I agree. It, it feels like it fits with Chris Pratt, because I actually think Chris Pratt is either our age or maybe a little bit older. Yeah, I think so. So it does fit with him. But you're right for the origin for for the actual character. I yeah. don't think it fit. It, it seems like it should be late 80s or more likely more likely than that early 90s, like Zach Morris and things. And um right, like Tiffany Amber Thiessen instead of Heather Locklear would make way more sense. Yeah,
0: Heather Locklear in particular. Like Skeletor, I can buy because like kids watch stuff that's a couple years old. And, um, maybe we would watch like. Hanna Barbera cartoons as kids. It's like but, that was from like the sixties and seventies. Like yeah, you, you but, see stuff from before you. But even
1: that, I would say that something from Power Rangers probably would have been more likely than Skeletor for somebody born in nineteen eighty. Right. But James
0: Gunn doesn't know a thing about the Power Rangers. Yeah, That's the I, thing. It's like yeah. it's all stuff that James Gunn
1: likes. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Not to. I didn't. I didn't mean to puncture the balloon. I mean, I think it is a hilarious line. Skeletor just, <laughs> I, had it, a lock It's late. an
1: interesting, interesting combination for a statue. Yeah. Uh, And why didn't he summon them when he turned into Pac Man? Because it was all part of the same. (laughs) I would love.
0: Actually, I would have loved to see him turn into Skeletor. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I don't know if it would be. If it would really play. Well, it's all that, made out of rocks. It's like, is that
1: Skeletor? I can't tell. I guess maybe it's, uh, the color scheme would pretty well, good. And they would have had to have paid to, I think that was a Mattel property, and I'm sure Disney's probably not that interested.
0: They had to pay to Namco, because there's, there's a thing in the credits saying, Pac-Man copyright Namco Bandai. <laughs> so they had to pay Namco
1: Bandai some money. Uh, I only have one other little detail that uh, I wanted to cover. You got anything else that you no, want I'm, to No, I'm done. Go for it. All right, I'm just going to say that the best line in this movie and one of the maybe best in the Marvel Universe and action movies of all time from Michael Rooker, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, has to be one of the most iconic lines. I agree. It's great. I hit the setup. Ah, you look like Mary Poppins. Was he cool? Yeah, 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 he was cool. cool. I'm Mary Poppins, (laughs) y'all. Somehow Michael Rooker makes, I mean, honestly, he delivers it where I think that it's a cool line, and it shouldn't be. It should, actually on paper, that line is stupid. It's one of those lines that's very uh, dependent on execution. Like that's that, what I'm saying, My, Michael. That the line on paper without him delivering, yeah. I think a great performance. I, I don't. I, I think on paper that does not work. Yeah, it's he of, makes it work. It's one
0: of those lines that either totally falls flat and is embarrassingly <laughs> bad, or it's brilliant and works on four levels. Well, because I mean, the y- fact that y'all is actually what absolutely makes. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. I'm there, Poppins, y'all. <laughs> You're gonna, you're gonna. This part I'm a little embarrassed to say. I, oh, okay. I am not embarrassed to say I cried at the end of this movie, but I am a little embarrassed to say that I actually find that moment almost weirdly emotional. Like it, it's hilarious, but also I, I think. Just Peter, you know, I think the moment of Peter cool saying, "Yeah, it's cool," like yeah. Peter embracing his surrogate father, and you know, because his real father turned out to be a monster, right? You know, and I, I think Mary Poppins, <laughs> but it's like it, it it works for me on a couple of levels because yeah, I'm laughing, but it's also like I really think it's an emotional moment, like yeah. in, in their relationship. I the idea that, that he no, could I'm use that line, I can see that but what a crazy thing that he's able to make that work or to take a line like that and make it an emotional beat in their, like, in their relationship absolutely it's amazing it yeah it's an amazing moment
1: alright time uh, time for the devil's advocate alright let's do it I want to ask you a bunch of questions and I want to have them answered immediately
0: well, since we were just talking about Pac-Man, can I start off with my Pac-Man question?
1: Uh, before you do, we'll just explain oh. to new potential listeners that this is the segment where uh, we answer what we believe to be uh, questions that are not answered within the movie and do our best to try and uh, give each other responses and logical conclusions to those questions. Yes, thank you for...
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to skip over the right. explanation. Give me the... So, rawr, 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 so, yeah, and you keep making the... Rawr, rawr, rawr noise. <laughs> Which plays on, when he turns into Pac-Man, you hear a oh wah, oh wah, oh So my question is, is Peter Quill actually making the noise? Is he conjuring up the <laughs> Pac-Man
1: noise with his powers? Or is that just on the movie soundtrack? Is it just I'm, a movie license? No, I am going right now that Peter Quill is, has the attention to detail. He absolutely <laughs> is channeling that sound. I think so, too. I think if, if you're Drax, if you're standing there watching
0: that happen, you're hearing that. oh wah, oh wah, oh
1: Anyway, uh, what do you I, got? Well, I, I'm going to follow my last question that I wrote out. I'm going to ask first because it ties right back into that. I want to know, is Ego a new form of ghost in Pac-Man after that standoff? Ah. What do you think? Well, they obliterate each other, though, right? Like, yes. They both blow up. So I don't know. So neither one really wins. So what yeah. you're saying is he couldn't be a new ghost. I don't, but it's he bl- does get more and more blinky, pale. It's Pinky, and whatever. I don't know. It's Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde. I think I you're believe right. believe is, yes. is the
0: four. So could, and then in Ms. Pac-Man, it's Sue. They replaced Clyde with Sue. So could Ego be a fifth ghost? Yeah, I mean, he does get more and more pale as they fight, and like, they keep <laughs> like, putting this like pale makeup on him. So yeah, it seems like uh, right. he could be the ghost. Okay. I was going to say, maybe that's what the ghost looked like before he died. Could you know, be. Maybe Clyde looked like Kurt Russell before he died, and then it's like, well, now I'm a ghost. All, All right. right, so what, uh, what's your next question? Uh, okay, I'll go with this one. Why doesn't interdimensional beast need harbulary batteries? What is it attacking the batteries for? I'm disappointed. I didn't have this one on my list. I just don't understand. I mean, it's just kind of waved off. Like, don't worry about it. it does, I mean, no. literally, the action sequence is in the background of I focus. Mean, so it doesn't matter. On, based but.
1: on what you see of that beast, it makes no sense why it would want batteries at all. It's clearly not taking them for ransom, so I'd have to assume it's consuming them. Right. It wants to eat in them. In some way, but it's not. doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. Because right. it's like, yeah, it's I mean, it's, literally, it's it's
0: deliberately not explained, I think, for comic yeah. effect. But it's it's something that I
1: always wonder. It's like, why are they doing I, this? I have what to is- assume that it wants to eat them, but I'm not sure why okay. it's eating them. No, that's a reasonable assumption. I agree. All right. So my question to you is, if Ego is a celestial, he's a god, hmm. and he can be the one-inch man and save <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy, why is it that Peter Quill needs... Why? Why can't he breathe in outer space too? Why does he need a spacesuit? Well, because at that point the core had been obliterated, right? Groot had set off the bomb, so now he's lost his powers. You're right. Okay, you've got me on that. You're right. He doesn't. He doesn't need it. He needs it at that point. But in other, I guess he just he didn't know it, so he never would have tried it before.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ego tells him he's he's uh, invincible
1: or he's immortal. I don't know if he's necessarily invincible. No, I don't think it's invincible because they're hurting each other as they're fighting. Yeah, but okay. He is immortal, so really, he didn't need that spacesuit until they blew up the planet. I, I forgot about that. You're right. That's you but know, even I mean, still, his immortality is never really
0: explored. It's just like he's just told, like, oh yeah, you're immortal. You're a god, so you'll you'll never die. But then it's like there's different kinds of immortals. Like maybe he doesn't age, but he could still be like shot. You know what I mean? Like I'd, it's not explained to any degree at all. It's just like oh, if you kill me, you'll no longer be a god. Maybe it was a bluff. Maybe it wasn't actually true. Maybe. But um, in any case, I mean, whether or not he was actually immortal or how much, how immortal he was, it seems... Remains to be seen. Yeah, but the movie makes it clear once Ego is dead, he's no longer... That's fair. No, that's fair. I mean, I didn't put a lot of thought into that whole subplot because I don't think it works even on the surface. So it's like digging deep into it. It's like, it's obviously not going to work the deeper you dig. But why, if he is genetically... I mean, because I he's only half God, but like, yeah, you Peter couldn't too. create his own planet with its own core and still be immortal. Like, what is oh, the logic behind all this? Can you
1: imagine what a Peter Quill planet would look like? <laughs> it,
0: would, it would probably be Pac-Man, like, planet-sized. It would eat up other planets like there were pellets.
1: <laughs> that's that's how he would spread. Instead of going yeah, to exactly. plan some mind Dairy Queen, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> he would just try and eat the planets like they're pellets. The
0: Avengers would have to assemble and go, God, God. Yes. It's essentially the, the plot of Pixels, the Adam Sandler movie. You're right. Apparently, Peter Quill was behind the alien attack in Pixels. I've never actually seen Pixels. I don't
1: know. Oh, that is outstanding. All, All right. It's well, my turn?
0: Yeah, what's your next question? Uh, okay, we talked about some of these. Okay. Question about Sovereign's carpet that they roll out. Because the thing the thing stops right at oh, Yondu's the per- right, the perfect, the perfect spot. spot. Does she send out an advanced team with like a measuring tape to measure how much carpet they're going to need? Because that seems... Way too perfect to end right where she needed it to end.
1: I don't think... I think that there's a pre-measurement done, but I think they got like a laser sight or something. I don't think they send out a team. From orbit? Yeah, but they they get like a laser sight. It's like, how how much carpet are we going to need? Let's make sure that we bring enough. Yeah, okay. That's what I think. All right, so this is maybe on a similar ilk. So on Yandu's ship... Uh, they say to take Baby Groot to the tailor to outfit him with whatever that jacket is or whatever. Yeah, he's the mascot. The mascot. I want to know, is this like Spaceball 1? And is there like an entire mall on Yandu's <laughs> ship where you can get like basically anything you want? <laughs> I mean, if there's a tailor, right? I mean, there's a tailor on the ship? I mean, someone's got to make their clothes, I guess. My They could just buy their clothes. But malls
0: don't have tailors. They just have clothing stores.
1: No, what, I, what my point is, is that if there's a tailor on this ship, isn't there probably is there a bakery? I mean, what other stuff is it like? Spaceball one? I
0: mean, there's a chef, I'm
1: sure. I, I just don't. There's no
0: tailors in malls. At least not the malls that I go to. So it's like, I'm not sure I understand the premise of your question.
1: I, I'm getting is there is, a, a, is there commerce that is going on on Yondu's ship? I think so. I don't think I I don't think it's like uh, Spaceball
0: one. I'll put it that way. I think right. I think they've got probably got a chef that makes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have. Someone making pastries and cakes and things. I'm sure they've, they've got a tailor, obviously.
1: Okay. All right. Um,
0: I mean, they do seem way too savage to have a tailor, so it does seem out of place. Take them to the, the tailor. The whole thing does. Yes, but whatever. All right. <laughs> what all if right. they had sent the tailor out, out of the airlock? Just like, uh, but... I mean, that's surprising they didn't do that joke. Just like, oh, uh,
1: face. you killed the tailor, remember? Oh, they should have done that joke. Yeah, because yeah. there probably wasn't anybody left. Right. Yeah, the tailor seems like he would have been loyal to Yondu for some reason.
0: Yeah, the tailor doesn't seem like violent. He's not going to take part in an uprising. <laughs> Just be like, leave me out of it. No, you must choose a side. I'm just here to make
1: clothes. <laughs> All right, what else you got?
0: This is kind of a legitimate question, but like, help me understand, because Ego says that he took the form of what he imagined life to be, and it's perfectly a human... Complete with 80s red leather jacket? Did I misunderstand that? <laughs> you
1: didn't. Okay. I do like the highlight of the 80s red leather jacket.
0: That's what the museum thing oh, is. This, it shows him with his re- leather know, jacket
1: on. And this, this is what I hate about you know space opera and even Star Trek to a certain degree. There's so many human forms, and yeah. they almost all speak English. It, it always bothers me in all this stuff. I mean, look at this planet in diverse, just on planet Earth without space travel the diversity of languages and dialects even within within english right any of those those facts why ego would be a white male with an american you know us american english accent in an 80s red leather jacket no
0: <laughs> well if he wasn't then peter quill would be have like tentacles and things so it's like yeah. he's got to he's got to at least be not human enough. I guess. Well, he said he could take the form of whatever he wanted, but he just lucked on it's like Zool, looking like humans. It's whatever it wants to be. Yeah. I, I'll bet there's a Marvel comic that explains why all aliens are humanoid and stuff. Star Trek eventually built in some nonsense about like, oh, there was a common genealogy among all intelligent creatures, like Vulcans and humans and Klingons all descended from the same something, something. Garbage. All right. Yeah. They tried to explain it away.
1: All right. Here... Here's probably my last one. I want to know. Okay, so we get the the fi- the uh, the lights of Ogord. I believe is the right is the yeah. Um, that sounds right. Okay, so I want to know: Is Ogord just a brand of fireworks that put out all of the other brands of fireworks, <laughs> or is it like a planet that that's what they specialize in? And it's, like, the only place that you can go and, and get this. It's the fireworks planet? Yes. It's like Indiana for Chicagoans. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's where you go to because get your fireworks. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> they have the billboards of <laughs> the fireworks of Ogord. The lights of Ogord. Come on buy, down to... Buy, ind- buy one, get one free. <laughs> Come on down to planet Indiana to get your fireworks. <laughs>
1: all right. So that, yeah, I,
0: I think I like that. I think, Ogord is like, the planet, and this does these are the lights of Ogord.
1: All right. All right. That was uh, my last one.
0: Okay, I have one last question for you. All right. And... So there's three moments in this movie with Drax, all of them hilarious. There's the first one. We already talked about two of them, I think. The first one is he thinks Yondu was uh, Peter's father. Yeah. Uh, the second one is when he's... Uh, what's... what's Ma- oh, Mantis. He's constantly going like, oh, you're hideous. <laughs> you're a horrifying creature. Mantis, you are beautiful. On the inside. <laughs> when he's retching. Was, I was imagining us being together oh. physically. So yeah, he's constantly calling her hideous, and then the moment near the end where there's like this big like epic moment where they're all posing, they're the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Mantis hits head debris, and he goes, "Mantis, look out!" Which is hilarious. (laughs) So thinking about all of those three moments, here's my question: Does Drax need glasses? (laughs) I think
1: Drax the Destroyer needs glasses. I think that's an excellent point. I'd like to refute it, but there's a lot of evidence that points to that. That those three together. Drax is visually impaired.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that explains away all of his... He thinks that Peter and Yandu look alike, you know. There should be a scene like in Major League where uh, Vaughn gets it his is. glasses, you know.
1: Take Ryan there. And what about him?
0: No, that's the, the, the moment where he's like, well, the scene's the most important thing. <laughs> it's
1: I not that important. I don't think it's that important. Actually, the the best setup to that is Eddie Harris. Yo, man, they look nice. I'd a pair just like them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine if there was a scene where Drax, Drax had to get that prescription is. glasses. I envisioned he would get like Ricky Vaughn glasses too. He'd probably have the skull and crossbones right there in the middle. That—that's I think yeah. the Ricky Vaughn glasses are the type that uh, that Drax would get. Yeah, I think so. Not like Rex Specs or anything like that. I think he'd get the Ricky Vaughn. <laughs> I think that would be awesome if he got like
0: Horace Grant Rex Specs. <laughs> that
1: would be, great. be amazing. Now um, I want that. All right. Uh, so now we are headed to the Silk Cozart Internet Research Corner. Okay, let's do it. Both of y'all! Yes, y'all! Go back to see what? So this is normally yours, so I'll let you explain to the audience. Yeah, this is a segment where uh, I usually
0: take kind of just something that I wanted to look up, something I was curious about that the movie sparked my interest. Uh, in this case, we're just going to take this segment and use it to talk about the MCU in general, since I guess
1: that's technically tangential to this movie. Yeah, more and, or less. And I think the plan was to go through the uh, the 20 movies and rank them. Correct?
0: Yeah, and we should do this pretty quick. There's 20 that's movies, fine. so I mean, we can maybe like a sentence or two about each one. Yeah. Should we do the thing where we start in the bottom and we only talk about it when we both said it, like we did? Yeah. Remember when, how we did that? Yeah,
1: for the Arnold movies we did. Yeah. yeah. Let's,
0: so let's you know, starting at 20. All right. Let's we're ranking all the MCU movies.
1: All right. You want to start? Yes, and and as an added, I don't know if it's bonus. I looked up the rankings that uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, whatever their aggregator is. So I actually have the number oh. of where Rotten Tomatoes also ranks these. So if you want to include that, I can yeah, do let's that Yeah, well. let's definitely include that. All All right, so, that'll be a tiebreaker, I guess. So for number 20 for me, The Incredible Hulk. Ah, 20 for me is Thor The Dark World. Okay, well, we can talk about Thor The Dark World because it is just number 19 for okay, me. Okay, um, Incredible Hulk is my number 19. So okay. let's start with Thor The Dark World. Uh, yeah, Thor The Dark World for me, I vaguely remember it. I saw it once. It's fairly bleak. It is the polar opposite from certainly Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yes, and Even the first Thor is funny, but we'll get it to that. Ha- it has its moments, yes. Dark World is just, it exists.
0: Here's, how I, here's why I have Thor the Dark World last on my list. I've tried to watch it three times, and I got bored after 15 minutes every time. <laughs> wow. I cannot get through it. Okay, well, I, I have it recorded on my YouTube TV. I didn't even have to pay you money for it. Maybe that's part of the problem, and so if I paid money for it, I would have forced myself through it. It's like I paid money for this, I better watch it. That's fair, but I can't get through it. It seems it's so boring.
1: Well, I can tell you, Rotten Tomatoes agrees with you. It has it as number twenty, and the Hulk is number nineteen. Okay, let's talk about the Incredible Hulk. I barely. The thing for me is, as I was going through these, I at least remembered Thor: in The Dark World, not fondly. Yeah, I didn't remember any. I remember, oh, it's the Ed Norton one. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. remember watched.
0: I definitely watched it. I remember him fighting another beast. Who is it's uh, what's his name from uh, Reservoir Dogs? Uh, Mr. White, uh, Harvey Keitel. No, no, no. Oh, sorry, not Mr. White. Mr. Uh, Orange. Uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Thank you. Yeah, he's the other beast. <laughs> I, I honestly I don't remember that <laughs> yeah. at all. It's it's not a good movie. I remember not being good at the time, and the fact that Marvel has essentially disowned it. Um, <laughs> Tells I, you something. I it. guess
1: General Ross from that movie has reappeared in recent Marvel movies. I, well, I mean, just quickly, the hard thing is, and, and they've, wi- Disney's wised up, right? Is that the Hulk is most interesting when he's, I guess, smashing things. The, the Hulk itself isn't that interesting. In small doses, Hulk is interesting and can be used for comic relief. Yeah. But a, a movie in itself, I, the Hulk is just not that interesting. And he's not a heroic character. I think... Avengers,
0: the first Avengers, also makes this mistake of just like, the Hulk, he's here to save the day. It's like, that's not what's interesting about Hulk. He's interesting when, because he's scary and uncontrollable, and right. when the movies portray him that way, then I think Hulk is more interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of with you that he's not he's not all that interesting, but, you know, and I, like I the way it's, he's used in Thor Ragnarok, which we'll get to, where it's like, it's mostly Bruce Banner, yeah. you know. I mean, Hulk is also there, but it's like, oh, it's it's about fifty fifty in that movie. Yeah, but it, it's it's far more interesting. So. And they give them they give Hulk dialogue in that movie, which helps.
1: Yes, unlike most Hulk movies, where you're just like ah. smash. Yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, all yeah. right. So moving up for me, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Avengers: Age of Ultron. Oh, I think we're gonna have pretty similar opinions. <laughs> and what's amazing? Rotten Tomatoes agrees with us. Okay, I mean, it, that's the thing. You know,
0: it's it, worth pointing out about Marvel movies—they play it so safe that it's like you don't get a lot of situations like Star Wars The Last Jedi, where it's like some people love it and some people hate it. It's like Marvel movies are are kind of
1: assembly line movies, yeah. so it's like I think most people are generally going to have the same opinion. I don't think it's just going to be the two of us. No, uh, we're not diametrically opposed. On this one, I'm not a huge fan of really any of the Avengers movies. I agree. Uh, and this one in particular, it deserves where it's it's a total... Cash in. I mean, that's what Age of Ultron feels like.
0: Yeah. And the the villain, it's it's very disappointing because James Spader, I generally would really like James Spader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh wow, James Spader playing a Marvel villain, that'll be interesting. And it's just it's not. He's just Nope. It's not, not much to that character. It's kind of similar to this movie where it's like, I don't really understand his motivations and it's no, just and, not enough.
1: And for me, as we've said many times, you know, the villain really drives for me an action movie and you know whether or not you're it's gonna be one of the best. Or forgettable. Yeah. And Ultron is forgettable because of Ultron, basically.
0: I mean, it's a sliding scale. Most Marvel movies don't have good villains, but I think we'll get to the ones that actually do. They're few and far between.
1: That's true. All right. So next for me is Captain America, the first Avenger.
0: Uh, I have Iron Man 2 at 17. I'm going to do 16.
1: Uh, Yeah, 16.
0: I have The Avengers, the first one.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's how much I disliked that movie. Oh, man, it's going to be a while. All right, number 16 for me is Thor, the first one. okay. Uh, We're starting to diverge. uh, Okay, so 15 for you? 15 for me is Ant-Man and the Wasp. All right, not yet, but we can talk about Iron Man 2. Okay. It's number 15 for me. And by the way, number 18 for Rotten Tomatoes. Not very well received by critics.
0: That sounds about right. I mean, they did it too soon. They like... They did two Iron Man movies before the Avengers. They probably should have waited until after the Avengers before doing another Iron Man.
1: I agree, and I know that uh, Iron Man 2, I remembered it being kind of maligned. I liked it more than what the reviews gave it. I really like Sam Rockwell, by the way, and I like his kind of anti-Tony St- Tony Stark. Oh, see, I really don't like him in that movie. Oh, really? I think so, he's
0: one of my biggest problems. Oh, the Sam hammer? Rockwell. You don't like the
1: hammer, huh? Uh, All right, not well, in that
0: movie, yeah. Okay. Sam Rockwell's fine. I love Moon. That's a great movie,
1: but... Okay. Uh, okay, so we can talk about the next one, Ant-Man and the Wasp, because I have that as my number 14. Okay, my number 14 is Doctor Strange, just okay. to get it out of the way. So yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that we saw together, I think, right? Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I remember, this is around where I'm starting to enjoy them. It's like right in the low end of like, ah, oh, that was
1: okay. But, um, yeah, looking at my list, I I enjoyed it. I just, as I said in our intro, the first Ant-Man I really, really, really liked and there's some elements in this one, but it it feels manufactured in in a way of that it's just kind of going through the motions.
0: Yeah, and it didn't help where it came out in the order of the movies because it came out after the big epic, you know, Infinity War. That hurt it. Too. And it's just like, "Oh, and here's this." And then that, they tried to clumsily tie it back with in the, at the end. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't think that was it was very clumsily done. Like they could have done that in an artful way, and they totally did
1: not. Agreed. I was surprised. This one's further up on the Rotten Tomatoes list than I thought. It has uh, Rotten Tomatoes says this is number ten.
0: Yeah, so that, top half. That's probably. Well, actually, it, it, that could go either way because I was about to say it's probably getting pulled up by Infinity War and the excitement for Infinity War, but also it came out so soon after Infinity War that you could argue that maybe that could have hurt it, Maybe having Marvel fatigue. There's not a lot of Marvel because people, you know. Speaking of Star Wars, a lot of people think that Solo didn't do well because it came out too soon after Last Jedi. Some people think it did bad because people hated Last Jedi. Like whatever. <laughs> it's not worth getting into that argument. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it could go either way.
1: Well, you you had Ant Man and the Lost even lower than me, so both of us had it uh, below number ten, though. So what? Oh, is that you have Ant Man number ten? No, that was Rotten oh, Tomatoes it was in the bottom half. Okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. It was number you 10. It, yeah. Yeah. For
1: yours, where did you
0: have it? Uh, 15.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty low, actually. Okay. I, fr-
0: I forgot you had said that Rotten Tomatoes had number 10. I was like, what's number 10? Why yeah. are you saying number sorry 10? Sorry about that. No, no, no. I, I was not listening. It's <laughs> right. my fault. All right, where were we? 13? Uh, either 13 or 14. Sorry. I already said Dr. Strange was my 14. and That was uh, M- ant okay. and the Lost was
1: yours, right? So, uh, no, that was my... Uh, I'm looking here. Sorry. Do you
0: have them numbered?
1: <laughs> you should have numbered them. You can hear him counting 14. Uh, my 14 <laughs> is a lot. No, you know why? Because I have the Rotten Tomatoes number next to it. That's the oh, problem. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp is my 14, yes. Okay, so 13. Go, you can go first. Avengers Infinity War. Oh, that's low, lower than I was expecting for you, but actually, we'll be there in a second. My 13 is Thor, so we can talk about Thor. All right, we can talk about Thor. Uh, Thor is number 16 on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, Thor is a lesser hero. They found a way to make it work with uh, Ragnarok, but... It's it's a little dull, but I enjoy the parts of that movie where he's the fish out of water, where he just shows up and he's just like, "More meat, I enjoy this drink," and he's just smashing cups and he's he's as we, we talked about on uh, Hercules in New York, it's basically the plot of Hercules in New York. <laughs> yes. And on that level I enjoy it.
1: It's just like a godlike figure coming down to earth and just stumbling around being a bull in a China shop. The, and there are moments um, yeah, it it's, has its moments. So maybe I was a little little harsh on it. I wouldn't say that that's one that I want to watch a bunch but i wouldn't put it with age of ultron dark world where it's like i don't ever want to watch those again no it's just it there's some moments that are okay and it is a lesser it's uh, thor is pretty absurd too in terms of in the superhero universe thor's kind of ridiculous it is literally having a greek god
0: be part of your team which yeah. is like okay i mean infinity war kind of acknowledges it It's like thor is the superman of this world nothing else matters all that matters is whether thor is around because he's literally a god <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean i, I kind of like that they kind of acknowledge it like it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> thor's here now <laughs> everything that you we're watching up to now doesn't matter thor's here now thor's got his hammer we're good well let's talk about it because that's my number 12 is avengers infinity Infinity war okay so yeah i mean I, I think it's a bad movie It's it's only this high on my list because at the point that it came out i am pretty invested in the marvel franchise like i want to know what's going to happen next with these characters i'm not like a giant fan of the Marvel movies but I you know have seen all except Dark World so it's like at this point it's almost like an episode of a TV show where it's like okay that episode wasn't very good but I can see how it's setting up things to come and I'll I'll reserve judgment that's kind of where I'm at after the fourth Avengers comes out maybe I'll change my opinion because maybe if that's bad then it's gonna drag down Infinity War
1: yeah so for me with Infinity War why it comes and where it comes in at uh is that it's half a movie to me. I mean it's an outrageously long movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's half a movie. And, yeah, and not I mean. only that, it's not it's not an Avengers movie, it's a Thanos movie. I mean <laughs> that that's it, the part I liked about it though. It's I mean it's I'm not I don't know if I'm criticizing that, but I, again, I think you get half the story. You get Thanos's story basically and Thanos yeah. does what he does. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen so I it's actually higher on the list as I was starting to put them in. I'm like it's higher than I would have thought it would be for me, because I watched it, and what I didn't get, the hype that I heard from the 30 and unders that oh, I, I work I with... I know, people love that movie so and much. i love it, I'm like, I just don't I, don't... I don't see that, but I don't think it's bad, but I don't see... I do not love that movie. Structurally, it's not a movie. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. I mean, it really is. It's things... It's basically Thanos walking in a straight line, and Avengers and other superheroes bouncing off him.
0: Yeah. That's basically what it is. And half of the movie is explaining why characters are going places yeah. I'm going to go here because of this why don't you come with me oh we're gonna go there and we're gonna to fly to this planet and it's just it's literally just moving the pieces around I tweeted at the time that it, was, it just felt like moving chess pieces around to the point where it's like you can't really care about yeah. what's happening to these characters because that you no no character really other than Thanos in that movie gets any kind of arc or character <laughs> moments we don't learn anything we don't get any kind of introspection about these characters lives
1: other than Thanos it's just like yeah they're just there to be tossed around <laughs> Yeah, it's not and, a movie, really. And to set up for the ones to be, oh, magically, it's the original Avengers, right? Well,
0: or, we said we weren't going to spoil things. I may, I, just,
1: I may bleep that or something. Go ahead,
0: whatever. <laughs> we promised not to spoil it, and now you're, you're, you're so not caring. Hey, I'm. I,
1: uh, what am I? I, I guess you're <laughs> it right. came you're,
0: out this. Well, when this episode goes up, it'll be 2019. So
1: that's a last year movie. <laughs> so maybe it's, you can, you can make maybe an, the statute of limitations. You can so. make a judgment call. My number uh, 12 is uh, I've now gotten to Doctor Strange. Okay.
0: Yeah, I had it at uh, 14, so... Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. I mean, it's it's an interesting movie visually. The, yes. the character of Doctor Strange,
1: it's not that interesting to me. No, some of these, as you get deeper into the Marvel catalog, it gets a little more difficult with some of them. I think Doctor Strange is a good example of yeah. that.
0: He's more interesting in, in Infinity War, I think, just because of the way he interacts with Tony Stark. Seeing those
1: two characters together is fun. Yes. But Doctor Strange in his own movie... I, I think I that's actually a good way to put it, too. I, I think he is sort of, he takes the place of Banner a little bit from the original Avengers, mm, but yeah. Strange is, he seems some, even though he's he's only a medical doctor and he's not, you know, so, he's not supposed to be as smart as Banner. I mean, maybe it's just who's cast and Benedict Cumberbatch is more has more gravitas. Right. I do think he's more of an equivalent that he can push and punch back intellectually better against Tony Stark. Yeah, I, I well, do he's like definitely that. a more
0: confident character than Bruce Banner. Right. Um, yeah, and he is Hulk-esque in the way that Well, I mean, I think people like Doctor Strange, but in my opinion, like, those two characters can't quite carry a movie on their own. They're interesting as part of an ensemble, but the Hulk movie on its own, a Doctor Strange movie on its own. I like Doctor Strange fine. I mean, maybe a sequel of Doctor Strange could find a way to make that character work, but I don't think it quite gets there.
1: Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, however, likes it more than us. Number eight in the MCU for Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, It's a well-made movie, there's no doubt about that.
0: Number 11. Okay, I have Captain America, the first Avenger,
1: number 11. All right, so we can talk about that. I have that f- way further yeah, down you, than you did. That might be the biggest cha- difference between ours. It uh, could be. So for me, it's fine for what it is, but it and it set, set the stage for some of the others. I like Hugo Weaving, don't really like Red Skull. I agree. Uh, He's not a good villain. No.
0: I think the thing that I really like is the way it acknowledges Captain America's origins, in the comic books as a piece of propaganda, you know, like Captain America, the comic book was created as a wartime, you know, piece yeah. to rally people again behind the war. And the way that movie acknowledges that and turns, like Captain America goes through this genetic experiment to make him a super soldier. And how does the government use him? They put him on USO tours. You know what I mean? I love that sequence. I think it's really clever. Yeah. And his frustration. of just like, I want to actually help. And they're like, you are helping. This is, this is helping the Moral, war effort. Yeah, yeah exactly but then he breaks free and decides I'm going to go and fight and I think that stuff really works for me I think the character of Captain America isn't quite there yet it's not really until Winter Soldier where no, and, and Chris Evans really figures it out
1: yeah and I think that, so and it, just in the Marvel universe right I mean it's just it it comes after Iron Man Marvel was trying to figure out the formula mm-hmm. and now it's unfortunately too much of a product and Captain America is tough to do that's the reason why we haven't gotten there yet but why some of the other Captain America movies are really it's interesting where that character went to, because it is kind of corny. I mean, it is American propaganda. They made, in the subsequent Captain America movies, that character far more interesting.
0: Well, but I think that original movie also acknowledges that Captain America is is actually more complex than the perception of Captain America is. You think that he's going to be a a, a figure of... of jingoism right and he's kind of not and he never really other than his the original 40s comics which were very much that yeah. you know when they brought him when Marvel got the rights you know I mean I'm not neither one of us is a comic book no. expert by any means but I mean I know enough to know that like Marvel acquired the rights to Captain America in, like the 60s when they brought him back and the whole idea was to kind of play him against that type and to you know he's he's the type of character who will go up against the American government if he feels like they're not doing the right thing and that's a lot of for instance what Winter Soldier is, is yeah he 's not just going to go along he 's not just a good soldier who's going to follow orders. he 's the exact opposite of that, and that 's what makes him a great character yeah he 's
1: not a tool of American you know imperialism or whatever you want to say he 's no. he's a, he's a, he's a symbol of American I was, ideals. I was just going to say that that 's perfect is that Captain America, as it 's you know been presented in subsequent movies and sounds like the comics you know from Marvel 's ownership is that no he 's an icon, but for the ideals, not necessarily for those pulling the lever, levers of power. Because that's the thing, is that the United States, right, our government has done all kinds of things throughout the world that does not represent necessarily what the American people, you know, believe and things should stand for. Mm-hmm. So it he should be, that that's makes him far more interesting that he represents the ideals of freedom and democracy, yeah. not necessarily how our government enforces them.
0: Yeah, totally. But my point is, in that's there even in the original movie, because he he goes against his orders yeah. to be just a silly USO guy and he goes and he defies orders yeah. to fight in the war. And like that's there in the beginning. It, I think it becomes it more and more. BF, yeah. Yeah.
1: As each movie goes. Uh, so number 11 for me is guardians of the galaxy volume two.
0: Okay. Wow. That's below the top, uh, top 10. That's surprising. Right.
1: Um, it'll be a bit. So, okay. Number 10,
0: uh, yes. I have iron
1: man. Uh, I have an Iron Man, but Iron Man three. Oh, okay, I like Iron Man three better than Iron Man, so okay. that's, that's why. Man, on. we just keep moving up. All right, what? Uh, I we... mean, th- this like
0: middle section, they're pretty interchangeable. From like a, from like thirteen to like six, they're all pretty close for me.
1: All right, uh, number nine. Yep, I have Ant Man. Oh, man, all right, I got Captain America: Civil War. Wow, that's low. <laughs> it has its problems, but that. Okay, well, we'll,
0: we'll wait. Get there. I, I, it'll be a little bit. All um, right. So Actually, I, not that long. All right, number eight, I no, guess? Number eight, I have Iron Man 3, so we can talk about that. Okay. Uh, people hate this movie. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. This is the most divisive, I think, Marvel movie. This
1: is the last Jedi of the Marvel franchise. Man, and I I'm did, in the I love never, it camp. I did not get that impression at all. I got, the, I got it that people hated Iron Man 2. I didn't think Iron Man 3. I thought it was viewed as like a bounce back. For
0: no, oh, I think because the man, the way the Mandarin is portrayed, because that's a character that's like, oh, I can't wait to see how they handle the Mandarin. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, too. It's such a great way to handle that character. It's like, uh, you know, because like in the modern day, it's like, you're really going to do the Mandarin? Like, that's, you know, you really, right. really got to walk a tightrope. Yes. And they found a way to make that work by not making it work, by deliberately no. being like, Mandarin. No, it's a, <laughs> a <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's not spoil it again, but it's like... It, oh, it's, that movie's been out way long I enough. know, but still. That's like a, a that that twist makes the movie work. I wouldn't want to spoil it for someone who hasn't seen it. This whole thing's gonna be beeped. <laughs> you know, this is a segment. Yeah, whatever. My, Mike's mad and, at me. Uh, no, and I'm like, censoring him.
1: And, and like, <laughs> yeah, Captain America should defend me here. <laughs> uh, no, and with that, I mean, like, you know, Guy Pierce. That there's an example of like a villain that I really and some of it's I like Guy Pierce, yeah. but that's that's a. In the Marvel Universe, he's probably one of the top half, at least, of villains in the Marvel Universe. But I don't think that's a character from the comics. I think that was totally made up. No, but I'm okay with that. Within this cinematic universe, I think he's one of the better villains.
0: Yeah, I like that villain, too. And all the Shane Black touches in that movie, I mean, it's it's one of those movies that feels the least like it came off of an assembly line because, I mean, Shane Black... You can tell that he's being
1: tamped down. You know, it's not full-on Shane Black. No, and that's also probably one of the reasons why uh, you and I probably have it higher is that you and I both admittedly like Shane Black movies. So. Yeah, but then again, neither of us have seen the new Predator, so... Have not. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't get good reviews, so no. I don't know. Uh, Maybe too much Shane Black is also a bad thing, because I think that was... Sounds like that was the problem with that. So Iron Man three came in at number fourteen uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, so my number oh, eight, There
0: you go. People didn't like it.
1: We can talk about another Iron Man because I have the first Iron Man.
0: Okay. I mean, it's the first movie in the the series. It's funny how I because I think it was just the ten year anniversary, so there yep. have been like articles about it, and reading what a mess that production was and how they were just like figuring it out on this day, like didn't really have a they script. They weren't a movie studio, yeah. What? They weren't a movie studio. Well, sure. Oh, I mean, there's that, too, of just building up Marvel Studios. But I'm saying, you know, when they were shooting at John Favreau, just like, they didn't have a real script. They didn't really like the script. They were just kind of getting on the set and going, like, okay, what are we going to do? Let's make up a scene. <laughs> like, apparently, from what I was reading, that movie was just made up on the fly, and it's amazing so that it works that well. is
1: Cerberus good? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, uh, that's, I, it works. I, it's a great movie. Uh, for For me, if nothing else, just the chances that were taken... It sounds like not necessarily with the plan fully baked. It set everything in motion, and it was a huge risk because it's a secondary, in many ways, a secondary Marvel character, right? Uh, A pretty big risk with basing your franchise with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that was a huge risk. People Uh, forget. Yeah, and as it turns out, it was a recipe for success. All of the pieces fell in place.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing... Talking about the secondary character, I think, to a degree, they didn't have a choice, because they'd sold off all of their best characters yeah. to other studios. Yeah. Spider-Man was at Sony, and Fantastic Four was somewhere else. All the X-Men were at Fox. Like, they'd sold everything off. Well- and then
1: they went, like, oh, we want to make our own movies now. Who do we have? And Iron Man was probably the top of that the, list. The top of that list. But the, still, it still remains... Some of the reason why they couldn't sell it is because the other studios didn't want to buy it because they didn't think that character could carry a movie that would carry the box. Office. Yeah, that's true. So to make that work is pretty impressive.
0: And, and, I think, and I think they had just gotten Captain America rights back. I think they'd sold those off, and then the movie never got made or whatever. And it so came back. I think that may, that may be one of those, the reasons why they decided to build like, the cinematic universe... That's another thing. I mean, maybe we should have talked about that when we talked about the Avengers. Or oh, have we talked about the Avengers? You haven't listed it yet, have you? Uh,
1: the Avengers itself? No, I have it much higher okay, than the
0: Okay, so. let's, let's save that conversation for there, because that's really where the, where the
1: cinematic universe came together. Um, All right. But so, anyway, so are we are So just to, to finish off, though, on Iron Man, Rotten Tomatoes, that is number two. So very well reviewed. Wow. I wouldn't yeah. have thought it would be that high. I was surprised, too. I mean, number two. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good movie. I have it 10, but even still, I think my
0: top 10 are all movies that I like. So, yes. All right, so what do you got next? Uh, so where are we? We're at, uh, we talked about Iron Man 3. So we're doing seven now? Yes. Seven. I have Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Uh,
1: not yet for me. I have Thor Ragnarok. Okay. I have Thor Ragnarok a little higher, so we'll all get right. that. Keep going. All right.
0: Six, I have Captain America Civil War, so we can talk about that now.
1: Mm. Oh, Civil War, yes. Civil okay. War. All right, so. You had that what now? I only had it a few few rungs down. I have it uh have it like 12 or 13 or no, something. No, it's sorry, here I think that's number 9. Yeah, I think it's nine. Okay, that's not as far down as I thought. Yeah, I mean for the yeah, for the airport fight alone, it's fun. I mean, it's to a certain degree it's kind of it's it's another Avengers movie. That I mean, that's some of the reason why it's a little bit further down for me. I mean, it's the Avengers falling apart, so I I, I can see why they wouldn't want to call it an Avengers movie because it's the team fracturing and Right, but th- that one, I think, more than almost any of the other standalone movies, it has everybody else in it, but you're right, they're falling apart. Uh, they're, they're, and there's elements that I do like about it. It's just, it. I moved it a little bit further down than maybe some others would because it feels like it's just another Avengers movie.
0: I don't know if I necessarily agree, because I think the Avengers movies, in particular, Infinity War, feels ve- feel overstuffed. Even the first Avengers movie, which in hindsight seems... Oh, it was five of them big deal. Like in high- at the time not- it was crazy. <laughs> but now it's like yeah, not a big deal. But even that I think feels overstuffed. It felt overstuffed at the time. Civil War does not. I feel like even though some of those characters don't really belong there. Why is Spider-Man here? They just oh, we, we can use Spider-Man. Throw him in there, you know? I mean, it doesn't need to be there. But, you know, it it still they found a way to make it work even though logically i look at that and going like is this really the appropriate movie to introduce black panther they could they didn't need to do that but it, i like the way they do they introduced black yeah. panther i think his arc in that movie really really works for me you know and it's like they really could have screwed it up you know it's like they could have done a bad job introducing this character in a movie that's not his own movie you know like why do they do that it's weird and the, but it worked like as long as yeah. it worked you know why is ant-man in that movie but he has the best moment in the movie yeah. <laughs> you know and, so, so I,
1: I, and i think for me the airport sequence is great. The rest of the movie is good, but not great. And if you take that airport sequence out, I'm not sure how much people really remember Captain America Civil War.
0: I remember a lot of it. I I think Zemo is an interesting villain. I think he's one of the better villains, you know, in the way that he's manipulating the situation and, the reveal near the end of that movie. I won't spoil it, but the reveal at the end of that movie r- relating to the Winter Soldier and Tony Stark yeah, okay. and okay. how they actually relate without realizing it. That was a great reveal. And, and it's thought,
1: not a, Martha. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Imagine, they, they, they could have totally
1: Martha. I try to work that in
0: every time I can. I mean, we're talking about superhero movies to me as well. They could have totally martha that movie. They, they didn't. They made I, it work. That should be a verb. It right? is. It's like jumping Ma- the shark.
1: martha Marvel did not Martha... Civil War. Uh, they, they did a good job of it. All right. So number six for me, Ant-Man. So I know I have it higher up than... Oh, so uh, sorry. Wh- which one did we just cover? Civil War? Yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes, that was number six. So a little bit higher than, uh, than okay. you and I. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, Ant-Man was my number six. Yeah. You, you've always liked Ant-Man more than me. I, yeah. I think it's
0: it's a fun movie. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like one of my favorite Marvel movies.
1: Yeah, so for me, I think the reason, one, I'll admit that I am a big fan of Paul Rudd, so I probably skew a little bit because of that. Sure. But what I, you had Guardians, but what I really enjoyed about Ant Man, and now it's with Thor Ragnarok, it feels like they're changing and shifting. Now every Marvel movie is a comedy. Yeah, but see, but at the time when Ant Man, and that's what I really enjoyed, I liked the pivot and giving me something different. Yeah. And now it may be, if if you're right, if everyone's just going to be a comedy, I think it dilutes Ant-Man a little bit because Ant-Man is a superhero is kind of absurd. Yeah. But that's, so the first (laughs) one. As was pointed out by Saturday (laughs) Night Live.
0: That's the thing I love talking about is that old Saturday Night Live sketch with all the superheroes. I am Ant-Man. I shrink down to the size of (laughs) an ant while retaining my full human strength. Check this guy out! He got the strength of a human. <laughs> yes, I so love you, that sketch. You've got me there. Garrett Morse is in that, Man. I don't know if you knew that. I He's a cameo. He's a guy in a car or something.
1: I did not know. He goes like, oh, he points at something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that I it has a special place in my heart for those two reasons that maybe aren't uh, aren't fair. And you've got it ranked lower. And Rotten Tomatoes does too. It was thirteen overall with uh, the Rotten Tomato that. Okay, so.
0: no, I think that's a fair point that it gets diluted by. You know, being one of the first comedic superhero movies and now that's all Marvel leans into Spider-Man
1: Ragnarok, right all yeah, of them so. basically all of them alright number five uh, five I have this movie Guardians of the Galaxy volume two okay so we can talk about that I had that a little bit further down okay. uh, we've obviously discussed this one in depth so not a lot more to cover I mean part of it after talking about it it really
0: revealed I mean this, this happens every movie we talk about we dig into it deep and it's like oh this, there's a lot of problems there's a lot of flaws in this movie <laughs> But just based on the back of the Yondu story, which I just find surprise, it always catches me off guard. I watch it and I'm just like, I find it so emotional at the end. His funeral is one of the most like, in- like touching scenes I've ever seen in a movie, and I don't understand how I feel so strongly about it. That's fair. It's 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 I don't, I'm surprised at my own reaction to this movie. But I mean, just that alone. I really, really love the ending.
1: Yeah, so for me, I outlined my thoughts on it. I'll say my ranking is a little closer to the critics. It came in at number 12 overall for uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Boo.
0: Nobody felt strongly about Yandu? Apparently not. <laughs> this important character. I can understand why. It's like he's not even a guardian of the galaxy. Oh, well, well, He is technically at the yeah. end. At the very end, he makes it in. Welcome to the frickin' Guardians yeah, of the well, Galaxy. I actually don't like any of that. No, that didn't work for me either. It should have been Welcome to the Guardians of the frickin' Galaxy. That makes That works better for me. Welcome to the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh,
1: My (laughs) number number five is Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Well, my number four is Spider-Man Homecoming. All right. Well, then we'll get to Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. I'm still... You kept pushing me to watch it. I was blown away. I'm like, "Eh, I don't need another Spider-Man movie. That's the only reason I didn't see it in theaters, and I regret it, because I have it in my top five. It is one of the best that I think Marvel has done.
0: It's basically a John Hughes movie. Yeah. where one of the characters happens to have superpowers. Yeah. You know, it's it's the Breakfast Club. Yeah. It, it it really is. It's so much more about high school life than you would ever expect. And it feels it's not it's not high school life like the Toby Maguire Spider-Man where it's like, "Hey, dorkins, I'm going to get you every you know, every <laughs> lunchroom scene is a bully trying yeah. to pick on Peter." No, it feels very like he's obviously Organic kind of a and- brainy kid, but it's like, yeah, it feels I mean, it's been a long time since we were in high school, but just like, you know, high school wasn't just those moments. It's just like day-to-day drudgery of going oh, yeah. to class and doing your assignments, and like it captures no, high school in a way that feels very true to me.
1: It captures that it's beyond just a, a Marvel movie. Uh, it has a great villain. Michael Maybe Ke- the best villain. It, it, Michael Keaton might be the, the most, most plausible and the best performance of a villain in any of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And... It maybe has it. It also is shading the way everything since Ant Man. It seems that it's a comedy, but I will say the public service announcements from Captain America. I've said this, I think, <laughs> on air, and if not, yeah, I you said did, it to I many think. times. Yeah, yeah. The public service announcements, including the one at, at the end of the movie in the post-credits, is some of the best stuff. Yeah. How many more of these? <laughs> <laughs> has ever? I mean, That's I great. couldn't stop laughing, and in the line of I don't know, I think this guy's a war criminal now. Just weaving that in <laughs> from you know Civil War just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So for all of that, in some ways I felt bad actually having some of the other movies ahead of this one. When I was doing this ranking, I really enjoyed Spider-Man homecoming.
0: Yeah, but it's, but it still works on its own terms. You don't yeah. necessarily have to have seen civil war,
1: or, you know, know much about the
0: rest no, of the, it Marvel just helps movies. to add to it. Yeah. It's just, it, it deepens it, but
1: you it's not necessary. So rotten tomatoes, right with me. Number five. Okay. Uh, so, so what's your on, four? My four is guardians of the galaxy. The first one. Okay.
0: Here's why I don't have Guardians of the Galaxy higher. I I realized as I was putting together this top, my, my top 20, my five top movies, not one of them contain an infinity stone. I can't stand that stuff. It drives me crazy. I hate it. Who cares? Who's got a glowing stone and guardians. The first one just has too much infinity stone. I didn't the think I big, didn't think of a big gray man. I have a hammer with a stone. All right, I'll kill you. That guy sucks. I don't, I don't like the villain in guardians one at all.
1: He's lame. Uh, all right. So that is fair. And I'm looking here uh, at mine. You know what? I think I don't necessarily like the Infinity Stones as much either, so that okay. may be a theme. But now, this is one. This, 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 got this to, is one. This is all about... This is the movie where they explain all the stones. They go to uh, here, Benicio here, Del Torrio. I'll tell you all the stones and tell you what they mean. Here's what I'll say. This was the first one that was a pivot for Marvel and was changing. This was the first, I will say, first comedy. This was before Ant-Man. Oh, definitely. And so for that, I remember being in theaters and saying, "This is you know, this is what I want. I'm tired of, like, dour, dire superhero movies. I'm just... I'm, one, I was tired of superhero movies in general, but I'm like, I want more of this. Now, yeah. I'll admit... I'm now getting worn out and tired because they've done it too much. Yeah. But that's why it's, I remember being like so excited and wanting to see, even in theaters, see this more than once because I thought, I'm like, wow, this is refreshing. It was so, re- yeah, it was a real breath of fresh air for yeah. sure. So um, no, this is number seven. So it's closer to where you had than where I had, number seven My Rotten Tomatoes. I had exactly number seven. All right, so, okay. so you were spot on that's there. That's right.
0: It was a breath, breath of fresh air for me, too. I really do like it. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm just being too hard on it because I just don't like that villain. Yeah. Also, it really, it really bothers me that none of the events of that movie matter in the slightest based on Infinity War. I, I don't know if this is really a spoiler because we do learn it in the first two minutes of Infinity War. But, you know, the whole ending of Guardians of the Galaxy is we must defend this planet because the villains are after this Infinity Stone and we have to protect it or else everyone on this planet will die. And then in the first two minutes of Infinity War, you learn, oh, yeah, Thanos just went and killed everybody and took the stone. All the thing all the fight they did at the end of the first movie it didn't it do anything because everyone died anyway. Yeah, Somewhere so off screen Glenn Close was horribly murdered by
1: Thanos and the movie <laughs> nobody cares. It doesn't bother anybody, it bothers me. Uh, so it answers your question from earlier whether John Riley could come and uh, That's true, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to, but here but I think that's more criticism on Infinity War than it is on Guardians no, of the that's, Galaxy. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy's fault. Yeah. But it it, it colors my watching that movie, which just like ah. Oh, all these
0: people are going to die eventually anyway. <laughs> Sorry, it's fair that's not a spoiler i will contend but maybe i'll
1: bleep that also all right Just number for turnabout's fair play I guess. number three number three i have thor ragnarok all right i do not i have that much further down so we can discuss thor ragnarok really what did you have it had? uh thor ragnarok i well maybe not much further down uh four five six so i think i have seven yeah i think it's seven okay that's reasonable yeah, seven. See, this felt like
0: a breath of fresh air in the same way to me as Guardians. It's not quite the change of pace because of the Guardians movies. Like, okay, this is maybe similar, but I don't know. There's it's a, it's different enough. It has a kind of off-kilter sense of humor. The fact that Jeff Goldblum is in there. <laughs> uh his character is amazing. He really is. God, I love that and character. And just that
1: even but that, that so you're talking about Guardians volume two opening sequence. I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as you. I will tell you, I will watch the Thor Ragnarok opening sequence. I would watch it like 20 times yeah. and laugh. Yeah. And I I'll be honest, I didn't think I didn't think Hemsworth had that in him. Him hanging from that chain. It is an outstanding sequence. Well, and then, really
0: funny. And then when the action kicks in, it's actually genuinely thrilling. I love, you
1: know, the Led Zeppelin and he's he's It's it's, it's a Yes, yeah, absolutely. it's really fun. No. So I I feel this is another one. I feel bad that I have it, you know, further down. But I think it's shaded a little bit for me because since Ant-Man, everything has shaded the way Ragnarok is. But it was definitely refreshing from Dark World. Man, did that franchise need something different, so it was a good choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Dark World is last on my list, and this is number three. So that would it's a bigger... You, you yeah. had a 19 versus 7? Yes. So in both cases, yeah. Big huge, Delta there. Huge improvement.
1: Uh, so my number three, uh, Black Panther. Okay. So... We're not there yet for me. Not yet there so yet. Why do we do number two? Number two. My number two is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. All right. My number two, uh, you're probably going to tune me up, but it is the first Avengers. So we can discuss that. That's
0: okay. That's obviously
1: the biggest difference. <laughs> yeah. I have a number 16. Yeah. You have a number two. So here's why I will put the first Avengers that high. One, at the time that it was made, I think you dis- you were actually the one who pointed this out. It was a massive risk a huge risk. It's a massive risk and a remarkable achievement in
0: the business of filmmaking. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's unparalleled, unprecedented.
1: Yeah. So I, and it's not necessarily the box office receipts, but you pointed this out many, many times. The fact that they were jeopardizing four franchises (laughs) at once, that if this thing failed, Mm -hmm. I give them all the credit in the world. And I think for the most part, they've become outrageously messy in civil war. and The other Avengers of how many characters are in there. Yeah. But I think they do a pretty good job in that first one of balancing what I think is already too many characters going on in a movie. I think it does a really good job of balancing those. Yeah. I stand by and what I, I say. And I like Loki. I mean, and it's got kind of what I
0: like is that it's got a villain that I like. No, see, here's... I don't like Loki as a villain. I like him as an ambiguous figure. He's better like, as playing that. the middle. He's better as that. That's what he should be doing. Him as, like... Him with his dumb horns <laughs> going, I shall rule over you all. <laughs> no. It's kind of ridiculous. That's bad. I, I, I do not like Joss Whedon. I just don't like his movies. Okay, I understand that. I don't like that. the way he writes. I don't like his dialogue. I mean... I love science fiction. I love westerns. If anybody should love his TV show, Serenity, or whatever, uh, was the movie Serenity? Whatever. that the movie should, was Serenity. Okay, whatever the show was called. Firefly. Firefly. On Fox. If there was ever anybody who would be, that's right up my alley. I can't stand that show because of the way it's written. I just don't like the way right. he writes. I think everything is... It's the, he's the tango and cash of, you know, everything is just like, it's all quippity, quippity, quip eyebrow rays, and nobody's taking anything seriously, and so I don't take his movie seriously, and I just don't all think, right. I don't think it works, I think Captain America is badly written in that movie, I don't like the, I don't like Loki as a villain, I don't like the stupid aliens that are following him, those little, those flying snakes are cool, I guess, but it's just like, the villain, all the right. villain slash villains don't work for me, reintroducing Hulk, I guess, it, they had to reintroduce him in some way, and they have a Hulk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's hey, come cl- on, you did have to. Uh, you give me at least the moment where he the Hulk slams Loki around. Is that was the beginnings of some of the comedic, you know, in the Marvel universe? I think that works really well. It's fine. I don't hate it. No. All right. I think it looks a little too CG for me. That's all I'm saying. Is oh. just like
0: he's just waving around a CG Loki in his hand. I don't know. All right. Uh, that movie does not work for me.
1: You know, I thought it was fine at the time, but
0: it's that's just fair, a lot that's of. Fair. That's fair. There's just no
1: interesting characters in it, I think. Well, Rotten Tomatoes is a lot closer to me. It's number four. Oh, I, yeah, It was very well-reviewed. Doesn't surprise me. Okay. All right, so um, Black Panther must be your number one. That is my number one. All right. I, there's not a lot that I'm going to say that's bad about Black Panther. I think some of the reason I had it a little bit lower is that, well, the two others. Well, Avengers is totally different uh, in terms of I'm giving it accolades for its accomplishments of balancing there is no... Let's put it this way. There's none... Most of these movies don't exist if they crashed and burned on the Avengers. Oh, that's absolutely true. everything
0: out. I have a ton of respect for the Avengers in terms of just having the guts to do it. Yeah. It's the most gutsy movie maybe ever
1: made in Hollywood. I mean, just the I, audacity of it. But, I mean, as a movie, I just don't like it that that's much. That's fair. So, at least for me to get back to Black Panther, I had a number three, which is very, very high up. Mm. And I'll also say, I'll just lead off, or maybe not lead off, Rotten Tomatoes agrees with you as well. It is number one in terms of the uh, uh, overall ratings for Black Panther. That's, that's adjusted
0: for inflation? Or no, no not, Rotten Tomatoes. Is, this is, this is, yeah,
1: this is the critics. Critics rating, okay. Yeah, ra- ra- right, uh, okay. rankings. I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> no, Sorry. no worries. Uh, it has, you know, what, what I ask for is a great villain. It has a great and very relatable villain, too. That, that's the one thing is like an actual backstory that you, it's yeah. a, somewhat ambiguous. You could very easily be pulling for the villain in this movie.
0: Well, I think the most interesting thing about the movie for me is that the villain is right. The whole movie is about the villain changing Black Panther's mind. In the end, he wins because he opens... uh, You know, T'Challa decides he's right. We shouldn't be, you know, holding up and being insular. We should share our gifts with the world because other people need it just as much as we do. And it's like that's Killmonger's whole point is that, you know, he grew up in Oakland and he didn't have anything. And if, if, you know, these amazing things were shared... You know, I mean, to say he's right is oversimplifying it, obviously. He's He's also a villain who is, the ends don't always justify the means, and I think he's taking it to extremes. I'm not saying that I agree with, you know, his name is Killmonger. It's like, you know, (laughs) I don't agree with his methods, but I think it's interesting that it's a movie where it's about the villain changing the mind of the hero. Yeah. And, you know, the moment at the end, I think, between the two of them really works for me. I think my only real complaint about it is some of the CGI you know, I, I wish the movie didn't end with just a fist fight. I think it's too interesting a movie for that. I like the stuff, the big battle sequences. Yeah, they, that stuff really works for me. Uh, agreed. But just the one on one doesn't quite live up to the rest of the movie, which I think is incredible. I think just it's the movie that has the most, the deepest characterization. Like, like you said, just the fact that it's a you understand the villain's point of view and can empathize with him. right? Um, but not just every character has an internal life and you understand how they relate to one another and what their relationships are. And it's like this Shakespearean tragedy on a certain level. I mean, I just, I just think it's amazing.
1: No, and it helps. And it's probably what, you know, Ryan Coogler is probably of the director. You just, you know, said how much you hate Joss Whedon, right? I mean, oh yeah, I, he's the opposite. I yeah. Mean, he's <laughs> like the, and I don't hate Joss Whedon, but he's of the stuff that, you know, of Fruitvale station and, you know, Creed off the top of my head, I'm, I can't think if there's anything else that he's done. No, he's only
0: done those three movies. Yeah, I, They're all really good movies, right? They're
1: all, so I, They're all great movies. Yes. I would go
0: farther than that. Yeah. All, Fruitvale Station is a great movie. You know, a little serious, obviously, but it's like, he's an amazing director. It's almost kind of a bummer that he's going to get sidetracked and he's just going to be making Black Panther movies. I mean, I'm excited to see what he does with Black Panther too. You know, I kind of wish he was doing Creed 2. And we're recording this the, literally the day before Creed two comes out, <laughs> so I'm excited for it. And it sounds like it's getting good reviews. But I wish he, but I but I would be bummed if he did Creed two too, because I think Ryan Coogler is so talented. He should I do ju- right. Want him to, you know, write and I don't know if he really writes his own movies. I think he usually like hires good writers and co-writes yeah. it with them or whatever. But, but you I want- know, he,
1: he did he at least co-wrote Creed. You want you want to see him working on other projects outside of basically products, and that's what yeah. sequels generally are—products
0: are and right? doing a variety
1: of things. Yeah. You know, like
0: he's he's young though; he's very young, so he's got plenty of time to do all kinds of interesting
1: stuff. Yes. But, um, uh, I love Black Panther, yeah, and so I said Black Panther is number one. I uh, I haven't overrated number one because it is number nine overall in Rotten Tomatoes. Mine is The Winter Soldier. Okay, it still is the. Um, you said Black Panther is like a Shakespearean tragedy, and you're right, and that. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, right, is a John Hughes movie. That it's, and so for me, Winter Soldier, that's it's a Jason Bourne movie. And that, that, yeah. that's not a perfect example. But the point is, is that that is about what Captain America is supposed to be about. And basically, no, a government has run amok and is not what the ideals of its government is. And he's not going to adhere to it. And the surveillance state, there's a, there's a lot in... Civil War, that if that, if not Civil War, um, Winter Soldier, if you took Steve Rogers and Captain America out and just had Chris Evans playing, you know, Made up some. I would be very very interested. I mean, it could be Jack Ryan, right? About to say the word Jack Ryan. It could be Jack Ryan, and I would be super interested in that movie. There are elements of it that certainly you know use Captain America's powers, but it is not nearly as much as some of the other ones. So that's it. Like a, a that is like a Jack Ryan movie to me. So that's why it's number one for me.
0: It's the first Marvel movie that's not a superhero movie. Yeah, you know, it's not just about Superman saving the day. You know, it's about. A man with incredible physical ag- abilities, but it's not just about him saving the day. It's about him doing the right thing. Yeah, and and, that's what's interesting about
1: it. And the and the villain, what I like is it's an or it's not you know it's not Ultron or something. It's something very believable and real, right? And systemic, yes. It's, that's that's the most frightening a, thing about it. Right. And, and and that's grounded in reality. You know, like so many of these Thanos and the Infinity Stones to me that's and that's the reason why, you know, these other movies even uh man, what's what's the villain's name in Homecoming? That's a totally like belie- I mean I mean Vulture. I don't know the uh, yeah, the character or the you know the real Vulture, name. Vulture, but whatever. I mean, that technology, all right, maybe a little bit out there, but in terms of like no, it's just a working guy who's like trying to hang on to you know a lifestyle that he had totally believable and that's what a systemic you know government that is overreaching totally believable in winter soldier and so it's only number nine on rotten tomatoes but it still is my favorite by far away
0: no i I totally agree with you it's my number two the only reason why i don't have a number one because i I actually went back and forth you know i love both of those movies but that and black panther the reason why i put winter soldier number two is i just don't think winter soldier is as a character is that interesting that, he's Bucky, a brainwashed yeah. guy and that's, like, that's fair and i also i mean maybe i'm misjudging it again it's hard to look at these movies fresh not knowing what comes after them but it's like the marvel movies in general have leaned on that character too much it's like civil war is also about him it's like it we really need two movies about this guy it's like he's not he wasn't interesting in the first one
1: you're that that's a fair criticism and probably uh, i can understand why you moved black panther above it and i the critics agree with you, so yeah. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I just didn't really feel that relationship.
0: If if Winter Soldier had really put us through what Captain America is going through and made us feel like this horror of like his best friend is now this brainwashed guy, you know, you can intellectualize it, but it's like I don't really feel that when I'm watching it. I don't. It, it should be the gut punch of just like oh my god, it's Bucky, and yeah, you know. I mean, I think to a certain degree, the movie just didn't do a good enough job setting it up. So I think a lot of people watching that movie is like, "Who's that?" I, I guess Captain America's upset about
1: something. <laughs> you know, I think the movie—if the movie had nailed that—it would be the best Marvel yeah, movie by far. Right, it just doesn't quite nail it. All right, so that's uh, that's the Silk Cozart corner. Yeah, maybe the longest ever. Because yeah, <laughs> but I think that was good. And this it was a conversation. This is probably was. the only opportunity we'd ever have to go over that Marvel stuff. So I don't think it's necessarily time not well spent.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's like it's the thing that's happening in movies nowadays. Yeah. Yeah at the very least movie studios are have given up on the idea of competing with them on the, the, the cinematic universe <laughs> yes. seems like DC has given up and been like Aquaman it's its own thing don't it's not part of it you know what we'll do we'll do a new batman it'll be its own thing and there's no more cinematic universe they've basically given up i think the only cinematic universe still hanging on is the monsters the godzilla king kong universe really yeah. But they're taking their time because there hasn't been one of those in a while. They did Godzilla in like twenty fourteen. Yeah. And then Kong's Kung On was Skull Island was like twenty sixteen. And then I think the second Godzilla comes out in twenty nineteen. Okay. And then I think they're doing Godzilla vs. King Kong twenty twenty. So All they've right. been kinda easing people into it. It's still around though, that's the thing. The mummy universe died. <laughs> DC is clearly dying, whether it's, it may already be dead by now. By the time this episode goes up, D C universe will probably be officially canceled. <laughs> Um, I don't know what else there is. There's a couple
1: more that I'm I'm forgetting. That's all right. They've all died. Pretty much. All right. Anyway. So now why we're here. All right, let's do it. This movie only killed 48 people compared to the last one that we killed 119.
0: The body count. This is where we're comparing Sylvester Stallone's body count to Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Obviously, Sylvester Stallone's not in this movie much. So as I said already, he has zero on the body count. So Arnold's average was 1476 Body count per movie. Stallone now has 218 with an asterisk across 18 movies. So that puts him at an bo- average body count of 12.11. All right. Continuing to drop. So let's we'll, we'll wait until we get Rambo, 2, But I'm, I'm starting to lose hope that this is going to be competitive. I'm worried that we're going to get to the end of this. Like, we're going to get to season two. Um, and Yeah, well, we're already in season two. This is season two of Stallone.
1: Oh, I got you. Yeah,
0: yeah. But we're going to get to the last season of Stallone and be like, this isn't even a horse race. This is not (laughs) as interesting as we had hoped. like Arnold is crushing Stallone in the body count. So Stallone might beat him in the overall
1: because he made more movies. I think that'll be the race. But for a Disney movie, we don't have it because you weren't able to figure it out. But yeah, for we'll, a Disney movie, this has to have a massive body count.
0: Yeah, we'll loop back to it on our, our season recap. Yeah. But um, yeah, this must be the Disney movie with the highest body <laughs> oh, count. It can't even
1: be close. Unless
0: there's like, is there a Disney movie? Well, I guess Wally, technically. <laughs> Isn't there a horrible apocalypse in Wally? There is, but I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I. It happens off screen.
1: It happens off screen. You see them literally
0: falling. Yeah. The one guy with the beer. I feel bad for that guy.
1: (laughs) That's right. Because you think, oh, maybe
0: he's going to be okay. No, no, just need to come back. Oh, that reminds me, before I forget, that guy uh, who played that guy with the beer, he was on a podcast called I Was There Too. I don't know if you've heard. It's it's a podcast where, like, Matt Gorley, who was a guy, I listen to a lot of his podcasts, and he just interviews people who had small parts in movies. Gotcha. It's a really fun podcast. He told a story that I find hilarious, so, like... I don't know if it might be a behind a paywall now. I'm not sure. But if if uh, you're interested, go back and find the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 episode of I Was There Too. He was on set when Stallone was filming his stuff and he tells a story about like Stallone in between shots just looking around and being like, Hey, how come in the future they didn't? They stopped uh, doing house cleaning. Like this is a high tech ship. They don't have house cleaning. Look at this rust. They didn't have a cure for rust. I'm not doing it justice. He tells a really funny story about Stallone. He, perhaps, said, he, he said he was a really nice guy.
1: Perhaps we should have had Stallone on this episode so he could have helped us with our devil's advocate question. I guess. Yeah, it didn't occur to
0: us. I had I, I listened to that episode, but um, all right, all let's right. move on to the wrecking crew award. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I love how you're tapping your feet to that one. I just
1: love Walter <laughs> Peck too. All right, so I think this one's pretty Oh, obvious. this is maybe the easiest one we've I've ever given.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is Yondu. It
1: without is, a doubt. Yeah, it is uh for for I mean for me I just said he is an unstoppable force in this movie and he gets a heroic death. How can you not give well, it? Well,
0: the him? other thing is yeah, I'm wrecked by his funeral too. It wrecks me emotionally. <laughs> so, yeah, he he kills like
1: I don't know. It's got to be the – that's got to have Commando beat. He may oh, have Arnold I, beat on Commando. I think I, I would put Yondu right there with John Matrix, without a doubt.
0: Uh, but just mathematically, I'll bet he kills because I think Matrix got 99. Yeah. That's where our final count. Oh,
1: it's, it's in the hundreds, I think, yeah, that are he, just falling on shit. He must have uh, Matrix
0: uh, beaten us. To, although to be fair, I, if I remember correctly, technically our, our top performance – was in McBain? Didn't Christopher Walken kill like three hundred people or something? <laughs> I think it was, yes. Maybe, or maybe it wasn't him personally. I forget. That, that movie had a ton of bodies. But yeah, because it's that
1: one you know sequence on like the air, by the airstrip. It's just a massive yeah, yeah, amount. Yeah. I'd have to go back and check. I, we weren't doing it by person. You know, we're now doing it between Schwarzenegger and Stallone. That's we true. We weren't yeah. doing
0: it for that. It was just total in a movie. We probably didn't do a tally just for Christopher Walken. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> this movie rivals even McBain in terms of its body yes. count. All, All right. right, so now the Rocky rating. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No! no you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film.
1: So this is the segment where we use the uh, Rocky opponents to uh, rate the movies, uh, each individual movie, from the worst being Spider Rico, or potentially Cancer, as Kevin gave <laughs> to one, all the way up to Apollo Creed.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on in this in for, as far as what to give this. In the end, I'm going to give it an Apollo
1: Creed An Apollo Creed. Wow. Yeah, I really like this movie. All right, Um, for me, it was a Mason Dixon. It's just kind of a middle of the road. It's a fine, you know. It's not a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's just kind of there for me.
0: Okay, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, it's barely an Apollo Creed for me. It was right in the on the fence. Yeah. You know, and again, I, these aren't hard and fast ratings. No. You know how I I want to stress that these are totally arbitrary. Yeah, I, it doesn't this, mean this is as good as Rocky, <laughs> you know. It's just it's a it's a rough estimate. Yeah,
1: and for me, I'll say that it's if there's a range in a Mason Dixon, it's towards the upper end of the range where I could have, you know, easily moved it up uh to a Clubber Lang. Okay. So, you know, again, it's I I don't hate this movie. I just it So we're 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 both right on the edge of Clubber Lang. We are
0: we are we are the sideburns of Mr. T. That's where the edges of Clubber Lang, and it averages out
1: to a Clubber Lang. So that's probably fitting, right? That's that's reasonable. I almost gave it a Clubber Lang. All right, so that's the show. That is the show. Uh, One order of business. It is my turn in the rotation to make a selection. It is. So I am going to make a selection from the still-making action movies, and it's going to be very similar in many ways to this movie. Uh, it's going, it's similar in that it's a fairly recent movie. Hmm. Uh, I believe I haven't seen it, but I believe Sylvester Stallone is also barely in this movie. I feel like we're skewing the body count for you. Keep picking movies that are, he's barely in. I'm just saying I have chosen escape plan two for our next movie. Yes. Do you want to know why? Please tell me. So you may remember, and listeners may remember, I always like to make sure that if a movie might be disappearing from one of my (laughs) streaming services, I get it done sooner rather than later. And I know it's on Amazon Prime, so I said, I'm going with Escape Plan 2. It's already on Prime? Yeah. That that movie came out like six months ago. That should tell us something, shouldn't it? Oh, I
0: mean, everything, all indications are that it's completely terrible. (laughs) Every single reaction I saw of that movie. (laughs) <laughs> was nothing but negative reactions.
1: <laughs> and it's unfortunate cuz you and I really enjoyed Escape Plan. I yeah. mean, really enjoyed Escape Plan.
0: Who is it other than Stallone who's the other guy in that? Uh, it's not
1: De Batista, is it? I don't think so. I believe that, oh, maybe Dave Batista. maybe that was the other overlap. Batista may be in that movie. I think he is. Is he? Is but, he the other guy? So my understanding is that uh, Arnold turned it down, and so they just
0: plugged somebody else in there. I think
1: he's the other guy, but there's also, I, I don't know if he's a uh, an action star over in Asia. I think there's a, an Asian actor, I again, I, I haven't seen it, that I think is also like a primary lead, and that's the reason Stallone isn't in it very much at all. Okay. Uh, so, I, but I don't, I don't know who that is.
0: Well, I'm dreading it, but also I'm interested to see the further adventures of Ray Breslin. Lucky Ray. <laughs> Lucky Ray. So we'll get there. I mean, at the very least, hopefully, hopefully. I don't even know if, if, if 50 Cent is in it. I I, I don't, I think he might be the only other holdover, if I remember reading correctly. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. <laughs> Lucky Ray.
1: I mean, you liked Escape Plan, also, right? Oh, we absolutely. both liked it. I think that was in. I think that made my top half when we did the Arnold. Rankings. Yeah, I think
0: we were both like 12, 13.
1: Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all the way up, but it was. It made the top half. I, re, I Escape Plan was a fun movie. So I'm going to hold out hope that our, our <laughs> there's no reason our to. appreciation
0: for Escape Plan and for Ray Breslin the character. How, how many virtual Rubik's cues will he solve in this movie? <laughs> That's all I want to know. Maybe it'll solve the question of what he has in his out
1: of office. I remember some of the things we talked about. I, I'm going to tell you right now, though. If you recall that episode, um, oh man, what's the actor's name? Jim uh, Jim Caviezel. Yeah, he yeah. really was helping carry that movie. That's true. And something tells me, it's i clearly not going to be in the sequel based on no, the events. Well, he definitely based does. on the events of that movie. He's not in the sequel, and if you don't have somebody like that carrying it. Uh, I'm concerned, but I wanted to... I didn't want to have to... Here's what it comes down to. I didn't want to have to pay for that movie because it sounded like it was really bad. So, well, there's cons- why I picked it. considering how quickly it went on Prime, maybe it's not going to come off anytime soon. Yeah, why but, not? Uh,
0: I'm, I'm going to go in with all the best. I'm going to go in optimistic. I'm going to hope that uh, it carries over some of the things we liked about Escape Plan. But it was direct to video, and Arnold's not in it, and <laughs> all every single thing
1: I heard about it was terrible. We'll, well see. That that'll be it. So that's the show. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, hopefully you'll uh, communicate with us uh, at Arms Race Podcasts or write us a favorable review on your podcast app of choice. Yeah, Arms Race Podcast on Twitter.
0: You always leave off the Twitter part. Oh, I, I communicate I, with us at Arms Race Podcast. I just
1: assume people know it. <laughs> Arms guess Race Podcast. You, you
0: said the at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way you can communicate with us. We you know. We don't have any like fan interaction in any way. We record these so far in advance, there's no way to do it. So yeah. it's like, what do you think? It's like, we'll tell you in three months what people said. <laughs> it's like, there's no way. It's just, unfortunately, it's just a, a function of yeah. our podcast. But if you do like the podcast, uh, and you have, if you know people who might enjoy it, you know, tighter friends, word of mouth definitely helps spread the word. So, uh, yeah, if, if uh, you could do that, we would appreciate it. And we'll be back with Escape Plan 2. I'm sorry. Wait, pardon me. Escape plan two. Hades. (laughs) There's a road I'd like to
1: tell you about. Lives in my hometown. Lakeshore Drive, the road is called, and it'll take you up or down. From rats on up to riches, 15 minutes you can fly. Pretty blue lights along the way, help you ride on by. And the blue light's shining with a heavenly grace, help you ride on by.